and welcome to episode 84 of the Lace Em Up podcast. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Dubuff. And a lot of stuff has happened. Connor McDavid just got paid big. Money will leave with that. We're also going to talk about what each team has done in free agency, who's probably spent more than they should, um, who has gone bargain hunting and might have succeeded, and um, what the heck are the Montreal Canadiens doing part two? We'll expand on that. Uh, but first, uh, shout-outs to all the players past and present who have worn number 84 in the NHL. Uh, Mikhail Grabowski on the short list, as is Oscar Kleffbaum, who um, wore that jersey number with the Oilers in 2014 and 2015. Uh, Guillaume Latendrus uh, wore that number with the Habs from 2007 to 2010. Corey Locke, former 67 with the Rangers in 2010. Colton Sissons, believe it or not, with the Nashville Predators in 2014. And Phil Veroni with the Buffalo Sabres from 2014 to 2016. So to all of them and to all of the players in all of the leagues known to man who have worn number 84, this podcast is for you. It's time to lace them up. Here's Brett and Steve. All right. That was a little quick of an intro there, but um, whatever. Um, We have a jam-packed show, um, so let's get going. Uh, McDavid. uh, So the big news, uh, other than free agency, is that McDavid got signed uh, to a huge long-term deal. Um. So that's $12.5 million for eight years, $100 million in total. Um, I think this is the highest paid person um, right now. Um, I w- wouldn't be surprised. I think, like, uh, Kane gets, um, Kane and Chase get 10. $10.5 million a year, yeah. I think. Um, yeah. Crosby gets $8.7 million. Um, uh-huh. So, yeah, so he gets 12.5. There was a rumor this week that he was going to get 14 million. So at least it's not that. Um, also, the Oilers make a deal to get uh, Chris Russell for 4 million for four years. Um, so uh, just quickly here, here's, um, there's no like huge, I mean, the thing is, is the Oilers might, be in cap hell pretty soon, considering that they still, uh, Leon Dreisaitl will be an RFA pretty soon. Um, Actually, he is now. I mean, yeah, obviously. That's so they mean. absolutely need to get him under contract. Yeah, uh, they have about $17 million in cap space right now. Um, they have uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins uh, has $6 million. so does Lucic for have six million with six years left on his deal. Ryan Nugent Hopkins has six million with four years left. Um, Zach Cassian got paid a while ago with one point nine five three for three years. Um, we just mentioned uh, Connor McDavid. Um, as for the defense, you got Andre Sakara, who has who's thirty one years old. And he's on uh, the payroll for four more years with five point five million. That's probably going to hurt them, like in twenty nineteen and twenty twenty. Um, Oscar Kleffbaum, 
also has a lot, but that's, I mean, he might be worth it eventually um, with 4.16 million. Um, But the point here, and Cam Cam Talbot's going to be a free agent in two years. Um, The point here is that Dreisaitl, McDavid, and Talbot are by far the best or the main reason why the Oilers are where they are at right now. Um, And now the job of Chiarelli is to get all the supporting pieces so you can build a team around those guys. However, it's going to be a little bit difficult when you hire a guy like Chris Russell, who's at best a second-pair defenseman um, on the... on. um, to a four million four year contract, and you can't like afford to get someone who's, um, you know, you're gonna always get someone higher, and you're you know you're gonna get into cap hell this way, um, which is something that Chirelli has experience in with the Bruins, um, so that's that's really why he um, he even traded Johnny Boychuk. It's something that he didn't even have to do because, you know, he wasn't a free agent or a restricted free agent um, just for cap space. And so he could sign uh, Dennis Seidenberg. Um, and that further, that ruined the Bruins for like the next two years and ultimately got him fired. Um, so the only reason why I'm so reactive is because I'm like, well, he ruined the Bruins. He, he's he might ruin, he has a chance to ruin the Edmonton Oilers. But obviously at the same time, you know, Connor McDavid uh, should be the highest paid player um, right now. Um, you know, he's he's making, um, you know, he's one of the best players right now. And he's only 20 years old. So you have him for eight more years uh, in his prime uh, that's and like, he'll still be in his prime when yeah. it's done. That's and amazing. like any amount of money you give him will be worth that. He's worth every penny. You know, you should probably just give him like every, like the entire cap, you know, or something like that. But it's um so on that aspect, like yeah, it's worth it. You should always pay your guys top dollar. Um, I'm just more worried about getting all the other guys. Um, mm-hmm. So, like, and then they always, and as I've been reading, I'll let you go on your rant soon, but I just want to finish my rant. Um, yeah. The, uh, the Penguins, they always, when I've been reading, they've mentioned the Penguins and the Blackhawks have had a similar situation where, like, uh, Crosby and Malkin get paid a ton, so does Kane and Taze. Uh, by the way, Malkin gets paid $9.5 million per year. Um, so and Crosby gets paid eight point seven million per year, um, and Kessel, Kessel gets six point eight million per year as well. So they're not doing too badly in that aspect. The Blackhawks, as I just mentioned, Kane and Taze um, have ten million each per year. Um, the only difference, and I think, uh, wait, there's also another one. Um, I believe Alex Ovechkin gets paid a lot too. Um, he gets nine point five million per year. Um, so the idea, the thing that gets me for both the Penguins and the Blackhawks is that they're both, you know, they got paid bef- after they won a cup, and the Oilers haven't won anything yet, 
and I feel like that's um, that's why you know, and the Penguins and the Blackhawks have been able to find like these uh, you know undrafted people or just these like bargain free agents here, here and there. Yeah, look like at Shearer and Gensel in Pittsburgh. Yeah, look how quickly exactly. they've uh, ris- rose, risen to the occasion. Yeah, like even like Panarin was a kind of like a steal. Yeah, there, he, was, he, you know? he wasn't even drafted. He was just signed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ryan Hartman for a bit um, last year. I'm just looking at there. Brandon Saad wasn't really that big of a deal um, when he was originally on the Blackhawks. You know, so it's like you have to find those guys. Um, in order to support Patrick Kane and Taze or Crosby and Malkin. And it's not like you can, I mean, I guess Kessel kind of disproves that rule, but, um, and Latang, but it's also, I don't know, it, it, you have to, I, I'm just more worried about them finding the supporting pieces around them, um, which would be my concern if I were Edmonton. Sorry, now you can go. You can rant. Okay. Okay, the beast has been let out of his cage. Yeah. He's ready to bite. Okay, exactly. so now it's impossible to put a price tag on any guy, first and foremost. But you're right, Connor McDavid. If anyone has worked this kind of money, it's Connor McDavid. This guy puts bums into the seats, gets people involved. He, he gets he, he he brings that kind of energy that you just love to come to the game. Not just because how good or bad the team is doing, but simply because it's freaking Connor McDavid. I'm I want to see Connor McDavid play. Yep. So he's got that individual brand to him that's beyond the Edmonton Oilers, which is something that we don't see a lot of in today's game, whereas you see a lot of it in basketball with Steph Curry, for example, and you see it with Bryce Harper in uh, Major League Baseball. Like you've got all these individual athletes who have um, a brand that is their own and not just the team that they represent. Yep. And that's why this is such a big deal for Connor McDavid. Because Oilers GM Peter Shrelly, here's the kicker, um, thought not only did he think it was worth the price for admission, $12.5 million a year to be exact, um, the former Bruins GM said during Wednesday's press conference that this deal, quote, easily could have been higher in value and shorter in term, and that part of this partnership was talking about building a team, and he was was emphatic as I was about keeping this team competitive. Okay, first off... He's making $12.5 million on average per year. How yep. the heck can you make this team competitive? Do I see a money tree anywhere? <laughs> Does he have a money tree that I don't know about? Like, yeah. goodness gracious. That's one player making $12.5 million. That's a good chunk of your salary cap. And in this economy especially, that's tough to get. Um, and so the other question becomes, you know, of course, how much is Drysdale going to go for and like I said, due for a raise any day now, um, and not in a year from now like McDavid was. He needs to get paid right now. And if Cam Talbot has another few seasons like the one he just had where he was top five in shots faced and top five in wins, how much is he going to be worth? And uh, Chris Russell, you're paying him just a bit more than you were last year. He led the league in blocked shots, not saying he's worth the money, but he's making a lot of money, $4 million per year on average for the next four and he's also got a no-move clause, which is also noteworthy. Um, and also, after this year, Patrick Maroon becomes a UFA, and he turned into a 25-goal scorer overnight. If he, let's say, scores 30 goals this year, 
maybe he's due for a pay raise as well. Like, how much yeah. is he going to be worth? True. And then you look at the young guys like Drake Kagula, Jesse Pugliarvi, uh Matt Benning, Darnell Nurse. They're nearing the end of their entry-level contracts. Um, Ty Ratty, they got him on a one-year deal. He could turn into something, perhaps, and he'll ask for a raise if that's the case. And all of this is happening before McDavid's new deal kicks in, which um, is astounding to me. Um, so I asked, uh, now to put things in perspective, I asked some of my Facebook friends, what do you think? Are they paying him too much money? Um, one of them said, sounds like pocket change compared to a quarterback's contract in the NFL. He's got a point. Like, quarterbacks make a lot more than McDavid's, at least the high paying ones do. Um, another one says it's way too much considering there are 19 other players on the roster who will have to get paid at one point. Some like Dreisel commanding hefty sums, so he's, he's on my side there. And another says this kind of money isn't out of the realistic realm for what he deserves, but at the same time, what kind of supporting cast are, are you going to be able to give him with over 15% of the budget tied to him? Like, it takes a team to win the cup, not one guy, even if that one guy is Connor McDavid. So, um, getting back to the Blackhawks analogy, the Oilers can make this work unless they learn to draft beyond the first round. And I'm going to get to two points. So, first off is they can't draft beyond the first round. Here's who Chicago has drafted outside of the top 10 in the NHL draft over the last 10 years. In 2009, they got Brandon Peary, Byron Fries, and Marcus Kruger. In 2010, Kevin Hayes, Stephen Johns, Joaquin Nordstrom. The next year, Philip Deneau, Adam Clendenning, Brandon Sod, Andrew Shaw in the fifth round, and Claus Dahlbeck. Mm-hmm. 2012, Thibaut Teravainen, Vinny Henestroza. 2013, Ryan Hartman, Tyler Mott. Yep. 2014. Well, that was Nick my Schmaltz. point that I was making, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and then just recently... Uh, in 2016, their first pick was a second rounder named Alex Debrinkit. All he did was get over 50 goals and 100 points in each of his first three OHL seasons, yeah. including 65 goals this year. The reason why Chicago is so deadly every year is because, like you said, they're able to build from the draft. They are able to do so without top 10 picks. And like you said, Panarin, not even drafted. He was signed. Mm-hmm. Um, and... In comparison, here's how many picks that Edmonton used outside of the top 10 that in my eyes turned out to be solid NHL choices. 2006, Jeff Petrie. 2007, Riley Nash. 2008, Jordan Everly, who they just traded. Tyler Pitlick, who is no longer on their team in 2010. They also got Martin Marinson and Brandon Davidson in that draft. Both, all, uh, both of those guys have also taken off. Oscar Clefbaum, 2011. Okay, that's a no-brainer. Tobias Reeder, 2011, and Jujar Kyra, 2012, Anton Shlepeshlev, 2013. Uh, so out of those guys, the one guy that was drafted beyond the second round that has played for an extended period of time in this league was Tobias Reeder. All of them with Arizona. Yeah. It didn't even <laughs> play for Edmonton. And you know what the crazy part is? Despite all the success that Chicago has been able to do, it's still tough for them to manage this because both teams and Kane this year are making $13.8 million. Seabrook's making nine. Keith is cashing in for five. So is Anisimov. Brandon Saad is 6.25 on the table. Crawford's making six. Richard Panic is making 2.8. Connor Murphy, who they just got, is slated to make $4.6 bucks. 
And you look at the bargain prices, and I'm probably going to name some names that we're going to mention at other points in the show, but I'm going to anyway. Schmaltz and Hartman are on their entry-level deals. Thank God for that. They just signed Lance Boomer for $1 million for one year. They did the same with an aging Patrick Sharp. Um, Kempney and Roosevelt both making less than a million. Even then, they're still over the salary cap. They just traded Panarin. They just traded Nicholas Jalmerson. They just traded Marcus Kruger. They lost Trevor Van Riemsdyk to Vegas in the expansion draft. So despite working the cap, they're feeling the pinch big time here. And this is all with the cap going up. So how can a team like the Oilers, who aren't Chicago, find a way to make this work? I honestly, for the sake of Peter Shirelli, for the sake of the Oilers franchise, I really, really hope this doesn't bite them where it hurts because it very easily could. And if it does... There goes five years of their cup window. Yeah, no, that's true. I think we're more just worried about McDavid's, like, if McDavid's legacy than anything, really. Um, like, you know, um, if he's going to be the, the next Ovechkin or the next Crosby, like the person who's really, really, really good, or uh, but no cups, or you know, someone who's also really, really, really good, but has multiple cups. Um, so I think that's what, and it all hinges on Chiarelli. Um And just noticing how he was in Boston, you know, he was never, um, Chiarelli was famous for never really drafting well beyond the first uh, round as well. Um, other than, I mean, Krejci and Bergeron weren't really his guys. He did have... Uh, he did uh, draft uh, Lucic, Marchand, um, and I think one other person I'm blanking on uh, late in late rounds. But um, yeah, that is something to think about in terms of the Oilers. Is you need to tr- you need to draft guys um, in the later rounds. Um, so yeah. You also mentioned this to me off the air. Uh, what happens if someone gives Drysital a ludicrous offer sheet that the Oilers might be forced to match, like nine point five million? Like, like the, the most immediate case that comes back to my mind yeah. was uh, years ago when the Flyers offered Shea Weber a huge, ludicrous yeah. deal. Nashville ended up matching it, but man, oh man, that really set them back as far as working, making but, their cap work. Yeah, so if uh, if someone offers Sheets Dreisaitl uh, for a certain amount of money, it might be changed because at that time it was like... Um, it was like uh, McDavid was going to go for $14 million. Uh, but like if someone offers she to them a certain amount of money um, and oil, the Oilers match, they would be paying $30 million, uh, to two guys um, because they matched it. But it's, uh, it's still a little weird because it's um, – I don't think it can happen anymore because McDavid uh, isn't going to $14 million. So we'll. I don't know what the if if that's still possible or not. But yeah, um, <laughs> it's funny. Um, so actually, how, honestly, how much do you think he goes for? By the way, how much do you think Drysdale's going to get? What will Drysdale go for? Well, the thing is, it's interesting. I know it's an old boys club, but honestly, every team should try to offer sheet Drysdale. I don't see why you shouldn't. Even if you have centers, you should tr- you should offer sheet them because that that would just screw the Oilers over. Um, oh yeah, full full head. So just I wonder if Vegas does that. 
Who? Because like they haven't messed with anybody. Because uh, they haven't messed with everyone enough. What if a- Vegas gives Dry Settle an offer sheet that? Oh, that would be amazing. That the Oilers had to match. Well, I was thinking like Montreal would probably be the place to do it because well, Bergeron yeah, doesn't they care, need a center, and they right? need a center. Yeah, so I, I would guess that would be the place to do it, but um, <laughs> it would just be like really. Um, but like no one, no one offers sheets anymore. It's it's an old boys club. It's one of those things like, oh well, if you offer sheet my guy when I'm in trouble, I'm gonna offer sheet you when you're in trouble. But I love that, you know. But um, what will Dry Settle go for? I don't know. It's it's tough to really ballpark. I know it's probably gonna be long term as well. Um, but as for I would imagine it might be ten million, maybe like eight million. Um, would be my guess. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if that's the case, but, um, yeah, I think he would probably be more, he's worth more than Lucic and Nugent Hopkins who are making 6 million. Um, so maybe 7 million or 8 million would be my guess. I don't know exactly how long, maybe four years, five years kind of thing. What about you? I, I, I think it's, Probably six point five to seven million within that okay. range. I, at least I hope. But yeah. it wouldn't surprise me given the fact that Connor McDavid signed for this amount of money. And this is Torelli. We're talking. He's going to ask for a lot yeah. more than that. So. And this is Torelli. We're talking about. So yeah, we'll exactly. Yeah. This is Peter Torelli. Yeah. Um. All right. Let's get going to other big news. Uh. So uh, we're gonna do uh, free agency. We're gonna start before we go to the rapid fire. We're gonna start by. Uh, we're going to talk about five teams here um, that all made big moves, uh, for better or worse. Um, and then we'll talk about goalies, and then we'll have a rapid fire, which is literally everything else that happened. So we're going to start with uh, the uh, Rangers, who uh, got the big signing this week uh, with uh, Kevin Shattenkirk. Um, reportedly, he was going to go to the Devils, and the Devils uh, made him a bigger offer than what he currently got. But he decided to go with the Rangers um, for uh, $6.6 million for um, four years. Um, he, uh, Shattenkirk had 56... I was looking at his stats the other day. He has 56 points. Um, you know, which is very close to Brent Burns, Eric Carlson level. I mean, obviously not as good as them, but he... Um, that was a career high, too. Yeah, it was career high. And he was both in St. Louis and Washington. Okay, yeah, I have it up here. So Brent Burns, Hedman, and Carlson all had more points than him. They were all in the 70s. Shannon Kirk had 56 points. Um, you also have to take into account that for half the year, he was on a Blues team that, uh, or I guess more than half the year, he was on a Blues team that's, uh, you know, didn't have a great goalie in Jake Allen, or wasn't performing to his liking. And then when he was in Washington for 19 games in the regular season, he had 12, uh, he had 14 points here, uh, 12 assists and two goals. Um, he's also kind of a, a power play specialist with. Uh, he has uh, 13 power play assists, 7 power play goals, um, which I guess if I do quick math, that's 20 points of his 50. Um, wait, no. Um, oh, I have to combine. Hold on. Eight, 8 power play goals, 
and a 19 power play assist, 8 plus 9, 19, that's uh, 27. 27 of 53 of his 56 points were on the power play. Um, so he, um, <laughs> thanks for doing quick math. It's, it's, uh, <laughs> you, you didn't think I, I didn't think I would ever need math to know math here. Um, but yeah, so he's more of a power, so he should help them. I know Ryan McDonough is the, the power play guy there, but I would imagine Shannon Kirk will be the, the actual, uh, quarterback there. Um, and I think like if, you know, power plays are kind of, kind of, uh, you know, a special part of the game at the well, moment. Well, yeah, and it cost know. the Rangers in the playoffs. Like, yeah, Ottawa's exactly. power play was dreadful. Yep. The good news about Ottawa is the Rangers was even worse. Yep. Um, I'm actually just looking here. He uh, He's from, I thought he was from New York, but he's actually from Greenwich, Connecticut, which is actually, like, literally a, a, almost a minute away from New York City, so... Um, I think that's probably why he decided to go to the Rangers is because it's like it was his hometown team. Um, yeah, and also the Hartford Whalers are no longer in operation. Yeah, so. I don't think he was a Hartford Whaler guy, but he may have been. And also, I think Greenwich is because Greenwich is like um, I don't know if there's an equivalent for Canada, but Greenwich is basically the um, place where all the rich people go to, rich New Yorkers go to in the summer. Um, they always have houses there in uh, Greenwich, um, but like you know, then they go back to New York City um, d- during the fall, winter, and spring. So, um, but it's um, yeah. So uh, Shannon Kirk is. Uh, what do you think of this move? Well, it's everything surrounding it that that kind of intrigues me because they have Mika advantage as their top center. As of now, he doesn't have a new contract. They just traded Derek Stefan, their number one center, and Antti Ranta to the Arizona Coyotes for um, a top ten pick and yep. Anthony D'Angelo. Uh, they get a guy like Darnay to fill the gap, but this guy scored six goals and 14 points with Montreal and Edmonton last year. I don't see him becoming a Mikhail Grabner type of player that could come out of nowhere and lead the team in points. Yep. Um, It'd be nice if I was wrong, because I like DRNA. I don't have any ill will towards him at all. Right. Uh, they just re-signed Jesper Fast to a three-year contract extension. JT Miller and Kevin Hayes have one year left on their current deals. Both had good seasons, especially JT Miller. By the um, way, those two are both centers. I, but yeah. yeah. And, and both, like I said, played very well. Yep. And frankly, I don't see too many centers down the AHL pipeline, so that becomes an issue that they have to address. Right. Um, as we all know, they just bought out Dan Girardi as well. Um, for years, he was a good foot soldier with them. Maybe not anymore, but still. It's it's alarming when you buy out three years on a veteran's deal like that. And they were able to sign Brendan Smith to their credit. I think that was wise, a four-year extension yep. at, at that price as well. I was going to get to all of this, but this, yeah. it's good that you were you're getting there. <laughs> but... Most of this was done so they could have space to sign Kevin Shattenkirk, who still left money on the table to come here. Right. And they have just over $5 million in cash space still to work with. Yeah. Um, and the question is, how much of their identity did they give up? Because, yes, Kevin Shattenkirk is a good hockey player. 
Like, he surpassed the 40-point mark in four NHL seasons. Like you said, career-high 56 points this year. But look at how the Keith Yandel situation turned out. They traded his rights to Florida for a low-end pick and didn't re-sign him. Yeah. You've put a no-movement clause on Shattenkirk as well. That limits your trading options if the ship is about to go down and you need to sell some stuff. I really wonder if the identity that made the Rangers great is starting to wear off here. Yeah, I I am a little worried about the Rangers, to be honest. But at the same time, Shattenkirk's only 28 years old. He was uh, He's younger than when uh, Yandel was on the Rangers. Um, so I don't know if there's that much of a fear that it's going to be that kind of situation, although it is very similar. You're right in that. Um, I think it's, it's also... Like, Lundqvist isn't getting any younger. Um, I find the, the anti-Ranta news to be more um, startling than, you know, not having a center because, you know, Lundqvist is going to get old. He's going to – there were times this season where he was slumping and Ranta was able to help them out and, you know, put them into the playoffs. And I don't know – they got. They recently got Andre Pavlich to replace him. I don't know if Pavlich is going to be that guy. I don't think he's ever been that guy. So um, he is going to be, have to be relied upon more um, than he he should be, honestly. Um, so I'm more worried about that aspect of like the goalie situation, where Lundqvist isn't what he used to be, and I don't know if Pavlich will be that the a proper or capable backup for them. Um, well, just uh, yeah. just a couple of years ago when the Jets made the playoffs, he posted a 2.28 goals against average, yeah. 920 save percentage, five shutouts, and 22 wins. Yeah. That being said, that was his best year. Right. And he's, and he's a streaky goalie. Like, when he's on his game, he's tough to stop. He's very tough to beat. Yeah. But when he's human, he's really human. Yeah. So I'm looking at the uh, center position right now who are still available – uh, the only, like, there's Mike Fisher, Matt Cullen, those guys are really old, uh, so is Ribeiro, and Winnick, I guess, although Winnick is 32. Uh, Brandon Peary would be an interesting move if the Rangers wanted to get him, um, yeah. although I think he was already on the Rangers for a bit. Yeah, I was Wasn't just he? about to say, yeah, but yeah. didn't he also play for them? Yeah, I think a lot of these guys who are on the market, according to Cap Friendly, who are, like, pretty good are all, like, old or, I don't know, something. But, um, yeah, so, I mean, there isn't too many people other than, I guess, Peary, but... um, Yeah, Peary actually played 60 games with the Rangers this year. Okay. So, it's a situation where they have to re-sign him. And even still... Eight goals and 18 points. Yeah, I was about to say, even still, 18 points in 60 games he played, um, not a great um, number, so... Uh, not, not in the right home about no. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so I don't know. It's uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do. I know they did uh, draft a center um, in the draft this year, uh, Leah Anderson. Um, I believe that's his name. So maybe they're planning on putting him in. I don't know. It's uh, you're right though. Their centers are kind of now they have to worry about their centers. Um, so we'll see. Um, although at the same time, McDonough, Shattenkirk, Brendan Smith um, is a pretty good, Kevin Klein, that's a pretty good decor. So um, they do have something going for them. Yeah. Um, also, Josh Joris went to 
Carolina, who I didn't even realize was on the Rangers, and uh, Matt Clendenning went to Arizona. Um, those are kind of minor deals, but they also left the Rangers. Um, all right, let's go to the Montreal. Um, there's a couple big signings here. Um, mostly Carey Price got $10.5 million for eight years, um, and then uh, which is... Uh, which, of course, so there goes all the worry that P- Carey Price was going to get traded or leave um, next year. Uh, so he gets signed. Um, he's he's worth that much. As a Bruins fan, I uh, I hate this deal, but as a hockey fan, I know he's worth it. So um, there's that. Um, Galchenyuk gets uh, four. Also, uh, Galchenyuk gets signed $4.9 million for three years. Um this was an interesting move because I guess there was, you know, those trade rumors that Galchenyuk was going to go somewhere, but um, it looks like he's staying. I guess it makes sense considering Montreal doesn't have any centers anymore. So Galchenyuk, at least they have him for a couple more years. Um, I don't know. Maybe they'll, like, I guess there's still a chance that they could trade him, but I don't know. It's it's probably going to die down now. Um so yeah, those are important for Montreal just for the whole like um, if any possible like amount of scandal there. Um, I was gonna get to Alsner and Hemsky, but do you want to comment on those contracts? Well, uh, getting to Carey Price, yeah, he's worth every penny. Yep. I mean, we saw last year what happens when he's out for an extended period of time. That the Habs fold like a lawn chair. Yep. Um, in four straight years, this guy had a GAA below two point three five. He's accounted for twenty of his thirty nine career shutouts over that stretch. Each of those four seasons, his save percentage was over nine twenty. And over that stretch, he's gone one twenty five. 58 and 16. So, Gary Price is no brainer. He's worth every penny like Connor McDavid. They need him. Um, but I, I'm just real, uh, really, and like, I, I'm just going to say it right now because we're going to talk about it eventually. Uh, the fact that Alexander Radulov is no longer on the Montreal Canadiens is where Mark Bergman lost the war. Yep. Um, I was going to talk about that. I was going to talk, we're going to talk about that soon, but okay. Yeah, yeah, we're going to talk about specifics, but here's the thing. Alex Radulov has gone elsewhere. The only scenario from what I heard in which they were willing to bring him back was after it was too late and the decision had been made and he actually signed um, a a long-term deal with uh, Mysterious Team A. We're we're (laughs) going to, we're going to unveil that mystery team i'm pretty sure you all know who it is regardless but i'm just gobsmacked that how how they just let that slip away because you make a trade for jonathan jordan to address offense because you want another offensive piece along with alexander radulov not someone who can replace alex radulov yep and now that he's gone not only are you paying Jonathan Drouin big money, not only did you just trade away your best defensive prospect, not only is Alexander Radulov gone, you still don't have a center. Yeah. So, I don't care what else Mark Bergevin did. He, he lost it. He lost the war. 
Okay. He lost the war because Alex Radulov is gone. Um, it is funny though. Last considering last year, how we yeah, were. Yeah, last year we were harping. Why, yeah. why did right you now? sign this guy? This yeah, and now we're like, what? <laughs> and now we're like, wait, why did you let this guy go? Um, yeah, I know. It, it's kind of funny. funny how the tables yeah. have turned. It's kind of funny how um, it's similar to. Uh, I, I, I'm gonna get to another sport here. Uh, how when the Knicks drafted Porzingis originally. Yeah. They thought um, they thought that uh, you know every every Knicks fan was like like who's this guy and now I like Carmelo Anthony was the biggest fan yeah either. and then uh, and then like now uh, Phil Jackson who's now gone or like the general manager there were rumors that they were going to trade Porzingis out and every Knicks fan was going to like protest if they actually did that so. Um, it was, it's just like a funny thing when you think about it that way. But yeah, um, first off, I will get to Radulov, but I do want to mention all these other things. Um, Carl Olsner goes to uh, Montreal. Um, he's a pretty good defensive defenseman. Um, we're all, we're going to talk about him in, in the Washington section. That's one of those teams, spoiler alert. Um, but, uh, He's a good defenseman, defense, defensive defenseman, so that should help them out. I know that that was another piece that they uh, missed out, considering they got rid of Sergeyev and uh, Boulier. Um, it's a good shutdown MLM. guy, but their yeah. defense is still pretty immobile. Like, yeah. and especially in today's fast-paced game, you need fast-paced defense, and but I really don't know if the Habs have that, even with Olsner. Olsner should help, though, even still. Well, yeah, shutdown, yeah. yeah. Shit, they also mobility is my concern. That's all. By the way, oh my god, I just looked at Shea, Shea Weber's contract, <laughs> seven point <laughs> eight million, and he's not even getting like he's not even done until like for seven years more years. Um, Thank you, Philly. Yeah, exactly. Well, actually, I was reading somewhere that like if let's say Shea Weber does retire and like pulls a, uh, um, and pulls a Marion Hosa kind of thing. Like the uh, the Nashville Predators will get penalized and not Montreal, which is kind of crazy. Uh-huh. Um, the uh, but yeah, so I think Carl Ausner will help them. I I agree with you. It's not like the be all end all. It's not like um, a huge deal, but um, I think it will help them because he he was a good part of Washington there, uh, just like an underrated um, aspect there. But he got a four point six two five million for five years. Also, Alice Hemsky is on their team as well for one million for one year. Um, yeah, that was basically the fill in the gap or some of it yeah. that Radulov left behind. And he's sure. also injury prone, so yep. I don't really know if they're going to get anything from him. Yep, uh, we're we're about to talk about Radulov, but I will. I did have him here. He goes to Dallas. Steve also mentioned that uh, Montreal did offer Radulov. Uh, the same amount that he went for in Dallas with $6.25 million for five years. Um, but uh, they offered him, like, literally right afterwards. There was also reports that Bergeron apparently laughed um, at Radulov's agent because Radulov's agent was telling everyone that, like, if he doesn't get what he wants, then he's going to the KHL 
and uh, Bergeron yeah, just, just Netsov used that yeah. as um, as a negotiating yeah. tactic. A lot of KHL are a lot of KHL or Russian players are going to use have been using that as an excuse or as a negotiating yeah, I, tactic. I don't think that's enough of a leverage considering their financial situation yeah. in the KHL. It's not. I think that's True. probably why he laughed at it. But yeah, but I think it was more just. I think he laughed at it, like, but we got the sense that he was laughing at it because, you know, it was just he didn't want to pay that much, I guess. Um, which it turns out that's true. So, um, yeah, Radulov is definitely a huge miss, miss for Montreal considering you found this guy, um, you know, you took a risk on this guy, you made him to, like, your best forward. Um, and now you can't sign him because you're, you know, you don't want to sign him for too much. But, but you um, let him walk away. And you let you, him walk, you let away, him walk away. And I guess what Mark Bergman was probably thinking in his back mind is just like, oh, he loves Montreal so much. He played in the queue here. Yeah. He loves the situation. There's no way he leaves. That's wrong. probably something. You're right. That's probably something to do with it. But it's still like you can't be that cocky. No. <laughs> Especially no. It considering. Him. It cost him. Especially, especially considering what happened to him in uh, Subban last year, where Subban's now in the this was in the Stanley Cup final, um, yeah. and he messed that up too. So, um, yeah, you're right. It's it's a weird it's a weird move. All these moves are like you know the Alsner, Galchenyuk, um, and Carey Price signings were right moves to make. Hemsky is uh, you know is a good move too, but it could be you know it's not like a a huge uh, contract, but you're right. The Radulov like leaving kind of leaves everything off the table, where it kind of counteracts all those good things that they did. Um, Emmeline, it's also interesting. They they got um, Matt uh, Teormina, yes. um thirty year old defenseman, to a two year deal. This guy put up sixty points in the AHL last year. I'm not sure if he has an a, uh, an NHL future, yep. but uh, it's it's worth noting because I I wouldn't surprise me, especially with Nesterov going to the KHL. Um, maybe there's a defensive roster spot open for him, and maybe this is his chance to really break out at the NHL level because over the last couple of years he's really shown his stuff in the AHL, and and you gotta wonder. Um, maybe like a guy like Kenny Agostino, which we'll talk about later on. Yep. Um, maybe Tayorman is ready to take that next step finally. Yep. Um, Emmeline, this is, I mean, Emmeline was on the, uh, the Vegas Golden Knights um, already, but he was the Montreal pick. He goes to Nashville. We're going to talk about Nashville pretty soon, but um, he, that is also counted as a subtraction for Montreal. Um, I guess that's not a huge deal considering he's like 35 years old, but um, and Nashville doesn't really need any more defensemen, but it's still uh, it's still interesting. Also, Nesterov, Nikita Nesterov is going to the KHL. Speaking of uh, K- using KHL as a tactic, um, so and, and getting getting back to the Galchenyuk thing for a second, sure yeah. you signed for three years at like almost. Five million a year, I think it was. Let's see here, four point uh, Galchenyuk, four point nine million a year. Yeah, um, I don't really like. Is he any better than Mika Zibanejad? Because there hasn't been anything. Well, he's I, more of a Riley Smith to me. Like 
you're paying him almost five million a year, but is he worth five million a year? The thing with Gauch- I, think it, I think it's more keeping him around for the sake of keeping him around because he's the best closest thing you have to being at center. Because yeah. Placanitz is your number one center, he's old, and he's a pending UFA after next the thing, year. The thing with Galchenyuk is more that he's he has a lot of potential. Um, I know he didn't get along with Tyrion. I'm not sure how he got along with uh, Julian. I do remember there was a story that he that Julian put Galchenyuk in the on the fourth line during the playoffs because I guess typical Claude Julian he hates uh, centers who aren't um, center uh, who aren't defensive enough. Um, but um, i.e. Uh, Tyler Sagan. But um, it's all it's all like. So maybe this will work out for them. Um, it's kind of tough to know uh, how Galchenyuk will do under Julian. I know um, we do have some uh, games where we can see, but I, I think Gal- Galchenyuk could be uh, something um, we'll have to see, though. Now, uh, when it comes to filling out uh, the void offensively, here's, Either here's way, who's available. Also, here's who- Back oh, on, sorry. I, I, yeah, just one order. last point on Galchenyuk. Like, the contract that he has, 4.9 for f- three years, that's not like a terrible contract to move. So if they are to trade yeah, him, maybe, you know, it's like Maybe just gives like him a, some term and makes other teams confident to say, yeah, we'll take him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so that's also, that's also yeah. a good point that I was also thinking of, of, of mentioning as well. Yeah. Uh, what What's also noteworthy is that who does that leave him with on the open market? You see Okanen bought up by Florida. He's available. Shane Doan, Jerome McKinla, Matt Cullen, Yarmer Yager, who we all know is not coming back with Florida. They've acknowledged that. And here's the most intriguing piece of them all, Thomas frickin' Vanek. Oh, yeah, yeah. Imagine if he goes back to Montreal, eh? That would be interesting. <laughs> I wanna. I actually want the Bruins to take Vanek, but I, I know we're going to be in a, a bind there. But... Um, he's probably going to ask too much. But, yeah, Vanek would be an interesting move for them. Um, all right, let's get to Dallas, though. Cause we can, finally. Yeah, yeah finally. <laughs> we, can, we can now talk about Radulov. Um, he is the mystery team that we were alluding to, um, although I think I mentioned him a couple times. Uh, the thing with, so the thing with Radulov, and I think was the main reason why Tyrion was so hesitant to sign him to begin with, is that he's 31 years old. Um, so signing him to a long-term deal is kind of still very, very risky. And although he did, um, did do well last year on Montreal and he was their best forward, he still could very well decline in the next coming years. Um, however, having said all that, Radulov, Jamie Benn, Tyler Sagan line might be the best a line in hockey um, at the moment. So um, I think it's like I and Dallas loves their offense. So um, I guess it makes sense for that. Uh, they also got Martin Hansel um, for so Radulov went for uh, five years, six point two five million. Hansel got uh, four point. They also got Martin Hansel who got four point seven five million. For three years, and uh, Steve's favorite uh, defensive defenseman, uh, Mark Mathot, also got traded to Dallas from uh, Vegas for a goalie and a 2020 
second round pick. Um, so yeah, um, I'm I'm still kind of worried about Dallas's defense. Um, hopefully, uh, John Klingberg, Essa Lindell, who Lindell also got re-signed this year, uh, this week with, uh, 2.2 million for two years, and they also don't have Patrick Sharp anymore, uh, who went back to Chicago. Um, but, uh, the, uh, I'm still worried about them, because, you know, I guess John Klingberg, Essa Lindell, um, Stephen Johns, uh, What's the other guy's name? Uh, Jamie Oleskiak. You know, those guys are all young players for sure. Um, but I don't know if they can exactly, you know, take the next step. And that's what they, that's what Dallas needs to do is have these defensemen take the next step. Um, and then I think they'll be good. They also have Julius, Julius Honka in the, uh, in the farms on their farm team soon. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, it's an interesting move. So what do you think of all these Dallas moves? Well, considering they lost Eakin, Hemsky, and Sharp, and they get in the yep. thought in a trade with Vegas, you already had Ben Bishop. They have finally had the shutdown defensive defenseman they were looking for that I've been preaching for them to get. Yep. That they finally get it. And then they get Hansel and then Land Radulov. Let's say you add Nikushkin to the mix. Let's say he officially comes back from the KHL. Uh, this team is primed to get back into the playoffs. Yep. Now, is a Stanley Cup title possible for this year? No. But that being said, they proved a lot in one day. Like, yeah. Jim Neal did his job to a T. He made this team competitive again. Uh, they also re-signed Patrick Nemeth along with Essel and um, I'd love to see how they do against the Kings and the Hawks, who, frankly, did a lot of good things. They, they went bargain hunting. They got some big uh, um, underrated pieces. Um Chicago, they got Tommy Wingles from Ottawa. They also got Sharp for one year. The Kings got a young uh, defenseman, a Belarusian defenseman, big guy, former 67, named Stefan Falkowski. They got him from Calgary. Uh, and then after Camilleri was bought up by New Jersey, they signed him to a one-year, $1 million contract. Uh, so the big thing for teams that are always competitive is the ability to make the most of what you have. Yep. And the Hawks and the Kings have been masters of that in the past, and to a certain extent, they still are. I just don't know if all of these big-name signings for Dallas, like other teams who have spent big on July 1st, I don't know I don't know exactly if all these big signings are going to translate into playoff success. Because when it comes to the playoffs, it comes down to team play, it comes down to grinding out goals, it comes down to winning those puck battles, it comes down to being mentally strong. I'm just not sure if they have that makeup to be successful in the playoffs, but they definitely have what it takes to become a playoff team again. So I definitely applaud Jim Nelt for doing that because they're definitely playoff ready now. Yeah. On paper, anyway. On paper. Uh, yeah. I, I'm still concerned about their uh, defense, but it is it is interesting how their offense has been pretty good lately. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe it'll work out for them. Um, we'll have to see. Um, yeah, it's just one of those things where I feel like they still have a ton of question marks. I'm still not entirely sold on them, but, uh, they did, they did make a, a, a ton of moves, uh, in the off season. Like Bishop should be good for them too. So, um, we'll see. Um, and they also got a couple of bargain signings, Tyler Pitlick to a three year yep. deal, Brian Flynn from the Habs as yep. well on a one year deal. Also Radic Faxa. 
uh, should be good. Devin Shore, who's another one of those young guys. So um, yeah. they should be, yeah, they should be good. Brian Flynn, who they got from Montreal, or a yeah. free agent uh, that they got from Montreal. So um, I don't know, maybe maybe they'll, they'll make something, but we'll see. I don't know yeah. if they're going to be a top three team in their division, maybe a wild card team, but I definitely think they're going to be better than they were last year. Yeah, I, I, I can agree with that. Um, okay, then we go to uh, Nick Benino. Uh, Nick Benino. <laughs> then we go to Nashville, who got Nick Benino um, as as a free agent. If you can't beat him, you might as well get him to join you, right? Exactly. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that, but then when I was like doing my prep, I was like, oh yeah, he was on the Penguins and he's now on the Nashville. Um, so yeah, he should be a. I feel like he should probably get a similar type role as he was on pe- on the Penguins. I don't know, Matt. I mean, I guess maybe he'll be like a two center, um, possibly, um, but he might be a three center. I guess it depends on what happens with um, Fisher, um, yeah. and uh, I guess and Ryan Johansson. Um, so he might he might get more ice time. I would guess. Let me look at their centers that they have. Okay, yeah, they have. A they provides of... more playoff experience too, which yeah. is which is something that I'm sure Nashville could gladly use. He gets timely goals. True. Again, Let's more see. balance for the middle as well. Um, yeah. So yeah, I love the Nick Benino signing. Maybe a little bit pricey, but I like the signing. Yeah, let's see here. So they have Nashville has. Um, well, they have Forsberg and Smith, who are both centers and right wingers, but they mostly play on the wing. Benino, we just talked about. Callie Yarncock is a center. Uh, we'll talk about Hartnell, but he's a left winger. Fiala is a left winger. Um, Sissons is a center. Frederick Goudreau is a center. Of course, you have Ryan Johansson, who's a center. You know, I always get I get amazed that I find out that Rijo is 24 years old. It's kind of crazy. Uh, he doesn't yeah. seem like it. Um, but, um... It feels like he's been in the league forever, right? Um, so, yeah. So, uh, Benino gets $4.1 million for four years. Uh, they also get Emmeline, who I mentioned in the Montreal outcast thing. Uh, they get him from Vancouver, uh, Vegas, not Vancouver, um, for a 2019 third-round pick. They also get Scott Hartnell, who I mentioned, with uh, $1 million for one year. Hartnell apparently started his career in Nashville, so he comes home. So there's a ton of those guys. Uh, Carolina, uh, Carolina got Justin Williams, who he started his career there. So did Pat, Patrick Sharps going back to Chicago. Uh, there's a couple more of those kind of things. So a lot of those like kind of like signings of players coming back to their original team. Yeah, back um, to the start kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think there's another one that I'm missing, but uh, those were the ones that stood out to me. Um, oh, uh, Chad Johnson to Buffalo. Right, yeah. Um, Anders Lindback uh, is also on Nashville, which is an interesting move. I think um, he also started his career with Nashville, too. Who, Lindback? Yeah. Um, and also they get Matt O'Connor, who is a BU goalie, and also um, an Ottawa goalie. Um but yeah, so he goes to Nashville. Um, it is an interesting move because I guess uh, Pecorine is 34 years old. Um, I guess UC Saros might be the guy now for uh, for them um, soon. Uh, I think he is their guy now. I think they're just adding stability in the AHL. But uh, yeah. getting back to the Emlyn thing, it's an interesting case because 
they already have Ellis, Subban, Yossi, and Ekholm as their top four. And sure, he looks good with these four guys, but is there really any need for a guy like Emlyn? Like, I'm almost wondering if I ship him to, like, I don't know, maybe get a piece like a Matt Duchesne or, or like, add some depth up front, uh, get another uh, top six forward. Um, yeah, I guess it could. Because they already, they already traded Colin Wilson to the ask for a fourth rounder, so they, yeah. they, they, they already um, know what Colorado wants. Um, so I, I think, nevertheless, they've quietly improved their team because even if they don't get a top six forward for Emlyn, Mm-hmm. They still have Emlyn on their team, and they have a solid top five instead of a solid top four. Yeah. So um, I, I think quietly they've they've improved their team. Yeah, I think so. It's it's one of those things where like they don't necessarily need Emlyn because they have those four guys in uh, Subban, Yossi, Ellis, and Ekholm. But Emlyn yeah. should help them um, even still in, in case one of those guys gets injured. Um, and they also, but yeah, you're right. They do need to improve their forward group. But at the same time, Forsberg's 22 years old. I just mentioned how Rijo is 24 years old. Yarncrook is 25. Benino is a good pickup for them with being, him being 29 years old. So it's not like they are like an old group like Vancouver is, you know? So um, I don't know. I think it, I, I'm not sure. I feel like, I've been hearing that Duch- the Colorado is asking way too much for Duchesne for, as an asking price for Duchesne. So I don't know. Maybe it's not even worth it um, if that's the case. Um, maybe if they could, like, I have a feeling Colorado is going to want to get one of those four defensemen that they're asking for. Um, but maybe if they want Emmeline, <laughs> I don't know. Um, that could happen. Um, let's go to Washington. Um, so they, uh, didn't really sign any big free agents except for Devontae Smith-Pelly, but that's not the reason why we're here. They re-signed, uh, Kuznetsov, who got $7.8 million for eight years, um, Dmitry Orlov, who got $5.1 million for six years, Burakovsky for, uh, $3 million for three years, Brett Connolly for $1.5 million for two years, and uh, just now Grubauer for $1.5 million for one year. Um, also, on the outs, though, because they resigned all those guys, they uh, had to um, leave out, and also the TJ Oshie deal a couple uh, days ago, um, weeks ago, I should say. Uh, Marcus Johansson. Uh, goes to the Devils for a 2018 second and third round pick. Justin Williams goes to Carolina, back to his old team, for $4.5 million in two years. And Carl Olsen, who we just talked about, who goes to Montreal. And I guess if you want to count Shattenkirk, who goes to the Rangers um, as well. So I guess it's, it's one of those things where I guess Washington is in cap trouble, but you have to sign Kuznetsov. You had to sign... Uh, Burakovsky and Orloff, and, you know, so those guys were things that you had to sign, and if you're going to let, you know, um, it, and you had to leave guys like Marcus Johansson, Alsner, and Justin Williams on the table because you have to sign those guys. Those are the top priority. So um, that and TJ Oshie, who they already got. So I think it makes sense. It's just 
it's just a classic example of how the cap can screw a team. Um, and that's really the cap at work. So, um, yeah. Yeah, get, getting uh, to Washington um, for a second, they also um, inked Brett Conley to a two-year contract extension. I said that. Oh, you did? Okay. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, they, they, they did a lot as far as keeping some of their core guys, but um, at the same time, I wonder if they've lost a bit of their identity like the Rangers have, because it's good that you signed Kuznetsov, it's good that you signed Orlov and Burakowski and Connolly and those guys. That leaves them with less than $6 million in cap space with six roster spots still to fill, and next year, guess who becomes a UFA? John Carlson. Oh, wow. So the fact that they lost a guy like Justin Williams to Carolina, who who hyped up Carolina pretty well, Carolina, a guy like Justin Williams, a proven winner like Justin Williams, unless maybe he's getting ready to retire, you don't go to a team like Carolina. And in the case of Carl Alsner, yeah, he goes to a team like Montreal, but they didn't get they they didn't even um, get by the first round. Um because they weren't able to score, mind you, against Henrik Lundqvist. But still, they were a first-round exit. Washington was a second-round exit. Mm. So the fact that Washington's uh, Stanley Cup playoff failures uh, weren't as bad as the Montreal Canadiens from last year, there were still failures nonetheless. And he goes to a team that didn't have as much success in the playoffs. So I do think that Stanley Cup playoff failures is really coming back to haunt America's yeah. capital. Um, on the plus side, because Netsov picked it up in the second half last year, Burakovsky has been relatively steady and consistent. Orlov had 33 points, his best offensive campaign to date. Um, I'm just worried if they're relying if they're relying mostly on skill to get wins now. And if that's the case, that's probably going to mean more work for Brayden Holtby and the goalies because whenever you have offensive-minded guys and not defensive-minded guys – that obviously means there's going to be more offensive chances going the other way because you're either cherry-picking or you're pushing the pace a little bit and you get caught yeah. flat-footed or you make bad line changes. So I, I'm just wondering, especially with Barry Trotz being a defensive-minded coach for all those years in Nashville, yeah. I wonder how much of their identity has taken off in Justin Williams and Carl Alsner yeah. because that's what those guys were known for. They were able to provide grit they were able to provide um, scoring, and and they were able to um, be good, solid two-way players. And now that you've got those two guys out of the picture, and of course you lost a power play specialist like Kevin Shattenkirk, um, you, you wonder what's left and if it's going to be enough to even take them to that next step. I think it's going to be – I don't think it's going to hinder them too much in the regular season standings maybe they're still gonna be the top team in the east but come playoff time i think that's when you're really gonna see what the cats are made of like we have seen every other year what the cats have been made of and they haven't been made of much to be honest yeah i guess that's a fair point i'm i'm actually looking at the stats here um on washington um did you know that marcus johansson had 58 points which is one less point than kuznetsov had he was the they fourth. also they also avoided arbitration with him this time yeah. last year as well. By the way, yeah. I, I'm just saying he had like he had the fourth highest point total um, in in uh, on the team. Um, yeah, 
I and know it's because of the cap. That's yeah. the only reason why they got rid of Joe Hansen is because they needed to work around the cap. Yeah, That's the only reason. It's just, it's just. Um, so I mean, the Devils got the benefit from that. Um, he should, he should be good for them. Uh, but it's like, um, and then there's also uh, you you mentioned how they're going to have John Carlson, who's going to be a free agent next year. He had his uh, worst year with uh, 37 points in 72 games. Um, so that's not great, uh, but, uh, maybe, I don't know, maybe it'll work out for him. It's, it's one of those things though, where like when you looked at the roster, you know, at the team and all the free agents that they had, I think it made sense to sign, re-sign TJ Oshie because that should, should have been their top priority, which is what they did. Um, they ha- their t- other top priority is to sign Kuznetsov and Burakovsky because those guys are your young guys who are going to be something um, and should take over the team when Packstrom and Ovechkin can't. Um, so it's one of those things. And then I guess, I mean, I guess you're right. Justin Williams going to Carolina kind of hurts them. Um, so does Alsner. But... At the same time, Justin Williams wasn't really that great for them um, to begin with. I I don't I'm not so surprised that he went to Carolina. Carolina's another young team um, that can do can that could surprise some team. Uh, you know the league uh, next year. Um, so, but they don't intimidate me though. That's the thing. Yeah, but like they need like a veteran guy. Um, well, yeah. Justin Williams is that guy. So I just don't. I just think of all the other places that Williams could have gone. Instead, he chose Carolina. That's oh, you that's, mean it, that's that's the thing. So you're just saying that Carolina just isn't relevant. Okay. Well, in the fine. Metropolitan, that's especially, fair. they're not relevant because they have Columbus and Washington no, and Pittsburgh to worry about. Well, Columbus used Rangers. to be not re- relevant, but yeah, no, you're right. Well, it, they weren't relevant until last year. You're right. Well, you're right. Carolina isn't really relevant, but it's like they're, they're, I don't they're know. a team on the rise. They're a team on the rise, but they're still like they need I, a I, veteran experience guy. It's like I don't know. We're going to talk about it later. Marlowe is going to the Leafs. That that's really just a veteran presence. Oh well, yeah, that, that's 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 a fair point. I must okay. say that is a fair point. Um, so I don't know. It's uh, it, it should be. I think Washington. We we said beforehand that Washington was going to be the most interesting team in the offseason. I think they yeah. certainly did. Um, I think what they did made sense. It's just it's going to be tough to lose guys like Marcus Johansson, Justin Williams, and Alsner. I don't think it's going to be as bad as if they lost like Kuznetsov and Burakovsky and Oshis, though. So um, I have that. Um, so yeah, there's that. Um, now there's a lot of goalies who got signed to free agency. I'm just going to quickly go through these, um, but I do want to mention them. Uh, so Ryan Miller goes to Anaheim uh, to back up Gibson, two million for two years. Um, and an all-American back uh, goalie backup tandem, I guess. I don't know if Ryan Miller is going to be a tandem there, but he, I don't know. Gibson had, does get injury prone, so uh, I, I think it's more of a reality check for Gibson because yeah. you lose Freddie Anderson year before. Last thing you want is a young goalie getting a little bit too comfy. Yeah. I don't. While Bernie was good, I don't think he was considered a legitimate threat to his job. Yeah, and and I don't think. Carlisle's willing to stay loyal to Gibson if things go bad either. If there's a I don't think Ryan Miller is going to take his job. 
I can already tell you Ryan Miller's not taking his job. But I think he's going to push him, though. Yeah, I don't and even think that. he's got pedigree, and he knows what it takes to win. And I think Miller's I don't been even think for that. a little while where Gibson learns from him. No, I don't even. I don't think he could learn as much from Jonathan Bernier. I don't even know. think that. It's it's like Ryan Miller's 36 years old. He's not what he used to be. Um, it's Gibson, Gibson's job is safe for sure. Um I, I'd be shocked if uh, Gibson, if uh, Ryan Miller becomes the starter when Gibson is if Gibson is healthy when Gibson is healthy. Uh, Bernier to Colorado, he goes to Colorado. That should be an interesting move because they don't Colorado doesn't have Picard. Varlamov is kind of a shaky goaltender here, so uh, Bernier may be a starter if he plays well in Colorado. I'll be perfectly honest. Yeah. If Bernier. Is able to outplay Varlamov. Varlamov's getting bought up. That's pro- because probably going to happen. He's making he's making five point seven five yep. million this year, five point five million the next. Yep. It makes sense for any rebuilding club to trim the fat as they see fit. He yep. is one bad season away from being unnecessary fat and being expendable hundred percent. If Bernier plays well, this job is his. They also have Spencer Martin in their farm system. He's a good young goalie as yep. well. Uh, so I definitely think Varlamov should really watch his back. Yeah, the same could be said for uh, Yakupov, who we'll talk about later. But like, that's yeah. kind of like if Yakupov can't make it, to, can't get it together in Colorado, then you know couldn't get it together in Edmonton. Yeah, he's running kind of lives. Can't yeah. get uh, can't get it together anywhere else. So um, yeah, we'll see. Uh, Chad Johnson to Buffalo. He goes back there. Two point five million for one year. This might also speaking of threats to the starter. Chad Johnson may be the starter by the end of the season. Instead you of think Robin he's going to usurp Robin Leonard? I think he might, yeah. Um, it's definitely possible. I'd, I wouldn't say like like 100% sure, but I'd probably say like 80% sure. Well, for the better part of the two-month stretch, he usurped Brian Elliott in Calgary. Yeah. He won 18 games. But the year before that, he won 22-16-4 with Buffalo. Save percentage of 920, yep. GAA of 2.36. Um Leonard's been injury prone, and when he's played, there have been times where he's in the zone and he can really help his team. There are other times, though, when he gets out of focus, yep. like bang, 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 pucks are going by him. Yeah. So I, I definitely think that, uh, like, you might not think that Ryan Miller is reality check to John Gibson and his future in Anaheim. I definitely think Chad Johnson is that to Robin Leonard in Buffalo. Yeah, I can agree uh, with Robin that. Robin Leonard better count his blessings. I can. We can ag- disagree on Anaheim, but we can agree on this on Buffalo. Yeah, okay. I think Chad Johnson yeah. um, will be a, a interesting move for Buffalo, or uh, he could usurp. Also in Leonard. his, also in his thirties. Wow! Be oh wow! I didn't even know that. Uh, Steve Mason goes to Winnipeg. Um, this also, <laughs> speaking of usurping, uh, if, if Hellebuck should be worried, um, I don't know, this could be like a tandem type role. I know, uh, Mason definitely wasn't good in Philadelphia, but, um, he could be, it could be a interesting move because I know Hellebuck struggled a bit in Winnipeg. So we'll see if that, um, if Mason gets starts um in winnipeg um it should be noted though in his first nhl season with a new team he's yeah. been very very good in columbus he went 23 uh, 33 20 and 7 in his first yeah. year uh 2.29 gaa 10 shutouts and a 916 save percentage 
First year with Philly, he went 33-18-7 with a 2.50 GAA, four shutouts, 9.17 save percentage. You'll wonder maybe first year with Winnipeg is going to be a new start to success for him. Uh, at the very least, I think he's going to be a tough competitor for Hullabuck uh, to beat out. I don't think Michael Hutchinson was doing the job. Um, Steve Mason's got the pedigree. He's got the NHL workload. I think Hellebuck's plan is – I think the plan for uh, Winnipeg is to have Hellebuck as the starter, but I think he needs to be pushed, and I think Steve Mason's going to do that. He's a battler. Yeah, I can agree with that. I do hope that Hellebuck does do well, though. Um, I'm a yeah, big – I hope both guys yeah. do well, frankly, because that makes the Jets better if both of them do well. Yeah, I'm a – two hot goalies, that's very tough to stop. It's true. I'm a very – I'm a big um, – I'm an American guy, so I, I just want all the American players to do well. Um, especially considering Gibson and Hellebuck are like our two best young Americans out there. Well, yeah, like so, one of them is going to be expected to carry yeah, the Yeah, I have a vested interest in those two players. That and Thatcher Demko, but I think he'll, he won't be ready by 2020. Um, yeah. Or whenever, I guess it's 2022, right? Yeah. Everyone's like, where's the love for Corey Schneider, man? Yeah. Corey Schneider's good, Corey too. Schneider, Schneider could come back, but I don't think he'll be ready for a chi- uh, China. Um, yeah. Because he's 32 years old. and I don't yeah, know if he really... Yeah, he's getting up there in age. Jeez, yeah. everyone's getting old. Yeah, I know. Well, I, I actually recently... Uh, I'll explain it in the social media, but I wrote an article about American players. Um the uh, Brian Elliott goes to Philly, two point seven five million for two years. Um, yeah, that's um, interesting move. I don't. I guess it's, he'll be the a, guy, it's right? A it's a band aid solution to replace yeah. another band aid solution. Like Anthony Stolarz or Carter Hart, one of their guys. Yeah. Hopefully, will be the guy moving forward. Both need more time to develop, though they're not ready yet. Yep. I'm definitely not giving the torch for Matt uh, for Michael Neuber to run. So. Um, Given the fact that you have guys like Nolan Patrick and Matthew Strom on the rise, yep. they already have Ghost Bear locked up long-term. Profarov's hopefully going to continue to develop his game moving forward. This is a playoff team. This is a playoff-caliber team. You need a playoff-caliber goalie. And uh, Brian Elliott's been to the playoffs before. He took the Blues to the conference finals uh, two years ago. Um, didn't necessarily have the best playoffs. But people forget that um, at one point this year, as of February 1st, he had the best GAA. And I think he was tied with, like, Holtby or someone like that. So this guy can still bring it. Yeah. And, uh, I, I think this is a good short-term solution for the Flyers in goal. Yeah, it's true. Elliot had a he, – he didn't really perform well in the playoffs and ultimately was why Calgary didn't want him. But uh, he did play well in, like, the second half of his uh, time there. So – um, Before this signing, this was a no-brainer to me. Yeah. I'm just thinking, yeah, Philly's probably going to get someone like Brian Elliott. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, I think yeah. he'll probably he'll be the starter there. Uh, yeah. Niemi uh, to Pittsburgh, uh, less than a million uh, dollars um, for a year. Um, he's yeah, he's going to be back up to Matt Murray, I would imagine. Um, yeah. There was reports, though, that Jim Rutherford was com- uh, contemplating maybe starting him in 30 to 40 games. Unless Matt Murray is injured, that's a terrible idea. Yep. Um, the Penguins' defense is about the same as what Dallas had. We saw Niemi's numbers with the Stars in his last year. 3.30 GA, 8.92 save percentage in 37 games. Um, 500 record, but very abysmal numbers, GAA and save percentage-wise. Um 
he's a good addition under the right circumstances and the proper terms, but he's not the number one goalie who's won back-to-back Stanley Cup titles. Yep. You leave all the hard stuff for Murray, keep Niemi on your bench, play him when you need to, um, but he's not playing 30 to 40 games if he's on my team. No way. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can see that. I don't know. Yeah, I feel like his days are numbered even in the NHL. Um, but I, I, it's, a, it's a good veteran depth add to, yeah. to fill in Flurry's shoes. I agree with that. Remember when he used to be like really good in San Jose? Uh, oh, remember in Chicago when he oh, won yeah, a yeah. cup? Oh, yeah. <laughs> even better example. Everyone forgets that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, a little-known fact, he's played for, I think, three of the teams that Eddie Belfort played for, Chicago, San Jose, and Dallas. Oh, yeah. That's a good point. Wait, Belfort yeah. played for San Jose? Briefly. <laughs> I don't think people remember that. I was about to... I, I knew he played for Dallas and Chicago. Oh, yeah, everyone knows Chicago. he played for Dallas. I, I I'm going to double-check, but I no, know for right. sure. I remember seeing him right. in a short So he played for Chicago for eight years, Dallas for five years, Toronto for three years, Florida for one year, and Sharks for one year. But, yeah. like, he only played so, 13 games for the Sharks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, only 13 games, and he went 3-9-0. Yeah. yeah, we're, um, <laughs> yeah, he wasn't But good. he did play for him. He did he play, did for, play them, for them. That's true. Uh, Eddie Lack to Calgary. Um, he's back to Western Canada. Um, it was involved in, he was involved in the trade where he was the main person in the trade. Ryan Murphy, a 2019 seventh round to Calgary for a 2019 sixth round pick and a prospect who's never going to amount to anything, Keegan Kansig. Um, so, uh, also, so, uh, it should be noted Ryan Murphy was bought out like a day after that, so yeah. he's gone. Oh, is he? Okay, I didn't even know that. Um, yeah, he, he signed one year with he signed one year with Minnesota. Yeah, this is one of those like deals that I feel like is like a low risk, high reward kind of thing where yeah. Lack could be like he just needed a change of pace, um, and would you know he's he's always been a backup goalie. I was going to make a like I thought that Carolina could have gotten more for him, but then I looked at his stats and I realized like oh he's he's not good. Um, he had like a 9.06 GAA this year. Oh, 2.64 GAA this year and a, a 9.02 save percentage in his career. Um, it's like, um, oh wait, 9.02 save percentage, 2.64 GAA. Um, and last year, the year before that in Carolina, he had a 9.01 save percentage and a 2.81 GAA. So whatever happened to him in Carolina didn't work out for him. He uh, he also in Vancouver for 41 games in 2014-2015, he had a 9.21 save percentage in 2.45 games uh, in a, a GAA. However, I should mention that last year he only played in 20 games. Um, so he had, so there was, there is a chance that if he played more games, he probably could have gotten better. Um, I guess he just never got a proper shot in Carolina. So this could be a move where Carolina could be like regret this trade forever. Um, and this ends up working out for Calgary. Um, however, I, I know that Mike Smith's there in Calgary. I don't know if that's going to work out for them. Um, I, I don't know. A, a Mike Smith, Eddie Lack, um, 
tandem is kind of a scary prospect if I were at Calgary. Um, yeah, one one uh, <laughs> both of them could play very well. One of them could play well, the other yeah. couldn't, or both could play downright bad. It just makes you um, wonder why why did Calgary even try to get Eddie Lack or uh, like why couldn't they have tried to get Bernier or uh, Chad Johnson? Or, I mean, you kept Chad Johnson. It seems to make the more logical sense. Because they traded Chad Johnson for Mike Smith. Yeah, but what about... <laughs> no, no, okay, fair enough. Well, I mean, but what about like, Bernier? Yeah, I understand, because Arizona didn't... I just... I think that Chad, both Chad Johnson and Bernier are better than both Lack and um, Mike Smith. See, the thing with Eddie Lack is, in that 2014-15 campaign, I remember vividly, because Ryan Miller was on my fantasy team and he got hurt. Yep. I picked up Eddie Lack off the waiver wire. He was the main reason Vancouver got into the playoffs from that point on. Like, he got 18 victories. He played very, very good for them. Ever since then, ever since they traded him to Carolina shortly after that campaign, he's never been that same guy. He's been inconsistent. I remember Bill Peters calling him out at some point, like, um, just... Just getting like, just asking for a big save in a, in a in a key moment of the hockey game. Like yep. Eddie Lack really looked human last year. He started to put it together in the later parts of uh, last year, and I think that's probably why uh, the Flames thought he was worth taking a chance on. Yep. Um, I think he, to a certain extent he's going to push Mike Smith better than someone like Chad Johnson could. And probably you're going to disagree with me like that. Yep. But um, in the second half, Chad Johnson lost the starting job to Brian Elliott. We didn't see much of the now former Flames netminder until Game Four of the Anaheim series. Um, once a veteran like Mike Smith's out of the playoff picture, I can see Eddie becoming the starter if he proves to us that he can be that guy and proves that to us consistently. Especially if someone like John Gillies can't grab the starting role because they have a lot of good, promising prospects. Tyler Parsons is another one as yeah. well, um, and yeah, I think you're... they're going to ultimately dictate the pace. The young goalies. But I think Lack's going to give him a decent run at best. Yeah, you do um, have a, and, and I think he could be a number one guy for them. I really do. Yeah, you do have a good point in terms of the fact that Calgary also has, like 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 Philly, they have a lot of young goaltenders who are a couple years away from making it to the pros. So, um, you know, this is all just like a gap stop to wait for them kind of thing. Calgary but, as a whole interests me, though. Like, they signed Michael Stone for three years as well. Yeah. They got uh, Versteeg back on a one-year. They yeah. got Spencer Fu on a entry-level deal as well. Um, this is a really intriguing team, and I'm, I'm really interested to see how they do. Yeah, I agree. Um, but, yeah, I think you're right. I think Eddie Lack does have a chance um, to play well. This could work out for Calgary, but... Um, I don't know. It's it's still very very risky. I feel like. Um, as for Carolina, on the other end, um, I guess they're staying with uh, Cam Ward. I guess I don't know. Um, well, that's their see, they have a goalie of the future in Alex Nedeljkovic, oh, yeah, and part right. of me wonders if they're not going to bring Cam Ward back. They haven't resigned him yet. If they haven't brought Cam Ward back, and they're going to go with Darling, they must think that Nedeljkovic is NHL ready. And uh, in his OHL career, he wasn't on some... He's an American, by like, the way. He wasn't... He was, yeah, he's American. He wasn't on too many lights-out good teams, but he really gave him a chance to win every single night he played. Like, he's he's a game-changing goalie, in my opinion. Yeah, I forgot about Nedeljkovic. Um, yeah, I guess that's a good point. All right, fine. Never mind, then. It's just, I find it strange that they decided to keep Cam Ward um, than uh, Eddie Lack, but... 
Um, I guess you're right. It, it doesn't really matter. Um, if they bring him back, I think they bring him back for one year. Yeah. Uh, Jumbo Joe Thornton. We're off to the rapid fire now. Jumbo Joe Thornton resigns to the Sharks, $8 million for one year. I find this just interesting just because, well, there were rumors that he was going to go to L.A., first of all, which would have been really funny. Uh, second of all, it's like $8 million for one year. It's kind of like maybe this is just his farewell tour kind of thing. Like, oh, you were so good for us for so long. We'll just give you this contract as a one last time kind of thing. Um, yeah, remember last year when all the goals he could score was empty netters? Yeah. But he's always been an assist guy anyways, so I don't know. Oh, well, yeah. Um, but, yeah, so he resigns to the Sharks. Also, Vlasic signs uh, for $7 million for eight years. Um, Vlasic is – I thought Vlasic was older. Oh, Vlasic's 30 years old, so that means they'll have him until he's 38 um, for $7 million. I, I like that deal, but I thought he was younger than 30 years old, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, That's he hasn't scored more than 40 points in a year. It's a bit odd he's getting Eric Carlson money, but they're not paying him to score. They're paying him to match up against the other team's Right, best. that's true. That's, and in that regard, he's a top 10 defenseman. He is one him. of the best shutdown defensemen in the game, so I guess it's worth it for that. But it's still like, I don't know, he's 30 years old. How long is this going to last? Kind of thing. Um, also, a useless bit of information. If you if you Google uh, Mark Edward Vlasic, just imagine him bald. His facial features look a bit lo- like Scott Gomez. Just saying. Right. Now you got me curious. <laughs> <laughs> I swear. Just imagine him bald. Of course, when I Google Vlasic, I get the pickle jar. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, that's I think his nickname is Pickles. Yeah, no, I know. That's, uh, that's why I was like, oh, yeah, of course. Oh, yeah, I can see it. Yeah, all right. Um, oh yeah and also Martin Jones gets uh, signed for 5.75 million for 6 years Um, yeah so that's that's a good deal though Um, he's 27 years old at the moment and you know he's shown that he can be a starter for 2 years now so that's a good pick pick up for them 30 plus wins in 2 straight years 1.75 GAA in the playoffs last year along with the 935 save percentage that's pretty good considering his team was bounced in the first round yeah exactly um yeah I was I was just gonna make a joke that uh another former Bruin player but um yeah could have been a Bruin was a Bruin not for long yeah now we're now we're hoping for a backup goalie um, and now it, it's it's interesting though they they keep their core around but what happens with with their future like Timo Meyer Kevin LeBanc Barkley Goodrow are playing yep. bigger roles on the team um, I think Joel Thornton's going to help their transition a lot as well um, yep. after this year Ward and Hansen are UFAs Hurdles are RFA after this year Chris Tierney's an RFA right now and and here's the kicker in two years from now Kachur and Pavelski could hit the open market. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, and they're not, like, Joe Pavelski is 32 years old. Uh, Logan Couture is 28. I don't know. It's, it's. Uh, I don't know if Pavelski has much longer um, in yeah. his prime even. So, um, but yeah, you're right. I think the Sharks are now in, like, a rebuild mode, semi-rebuild mode. Like, sure, they still have Brent Burns, who's also 32 years old. Um, but, um, and... Joe Pavelski, but I think you're right. They're just waiting for all the young guys to take hold. 
Um, It'll be interesting to see in three years where this team is at. Yeah. Speaking of old guys um, who used to be on the Sharks, uh, Patrick Marlowe went to the Leafs. Um, I believe Patrick Marlowe was one of the few players who was only on the same team in his entire career. That's about to change in the fall because he's going to Toronto. Um, He'll bring a good veteran leadership kind of thing for this uh, Toronto team. Um, And they have a better shot. Honestly, they have a better shot than the Sharks do at getting in his cup. So um, it could be a good move. Um, I was also... I, I'm friends with a Leaf fan. Oh, first off, um, uh, 6.25 million for three years. I am, I'm friends with a Leafs fan who hates this deal um, because um, he was looking at the same cons- comparison to David Clarkson um, a couple of years ago um, when they signed him, who had the same. He had like Clarkson had like 47 points. Um, and that was the same amount of points as uh, Marlowe did had last year, um, which I think is kind of funny. I don't think it'll be the same kind of deal, but uh, uh, it would be funny. I think this is a good move, though, for the, the Maple Leafs. Um, I think I don't think Marlowe is as good as he used to be, but this is a good move for them in terms of getting the veteran presence guy um, and someone they need. Well, it's it's interesting for a number of reasons. In year one, he's getting eight point five million, seven million of which is signing bonus. Second year of his deal, six yep. million bucks, four point five million of that comes to a signing on the dotted line. And the final year, making four point two five million, three million dollars attached to the signing bonus. Yeah, and, and he's the last year is a big old. deal because Matthews and Marner are both going to need new contracts at the time. And I'll get back to that in a sec. This is how Patrick Marlowe helps the leaps. At the age of 37, according to Chris Johnson, he has played in nine 82-game seasons. He's only missed 31 games in his career. He's missed zero games in the last eight seasons. He's coming off a season in which he scored 27 goals. He's six amongst NHL players in goals since 2008-09 with 270. And Mike Babcock is not concerned about his skating. And when you consider the Sharks offered him a two-year deal to stay put, and when you consider that Jumbo Joe re-signed under the assumption probably that Marlowe was going to follow his lead and re-sign as well, it just goes to show you how much it took to pry Patrick Marlowe away from an organization that he spent roughly two decades with. And it's the surrounding of a cast of young players like Matthews and Marner and Nylander um, that I think led to the signing because you get league-wide, atten- league-wide attention from a good chunk of the veterans that want to win. And want to have fun. And I think it kind of started when the Leafs re-signed Curtis McElhinney for two years. And it continued when they got Dominic Moore for one year. And Ron Hainsey for two. Because I think that in the grand scheme of things, it helped in the pursuit of getting Patrick Marlowe. Because all these veterans are coming to play with these young guys on a team that a year or two ago, everyone thought was in rebuild mode yeah and now all of a sudden they're contending yeah and they're paying guys like patrick marlowe so they can contend yeah and uh on the one side uh i don't i don't think you can make the argument that they're rebuilding on the other hand i do wonder what happens to their cap 
because, like I said, at, in the final year of Marlowe's deal, when he's making the least amount of money, Matthews and Marner are going to need new contracts. In a year from now, Willie Nylander is going to need a new one. Mm-hmm. Um, and in all three of those years, Patrick Marlowe's got a new movement clause. So, again, if the ship goes down, that limits your trade options. Not to mention Austin Matthews in uh, two more years, but yeah. Right, exactly. Um it's also should be noteworthy what happens with their current group of forwards because once this year's over with, Tyler Bozak is a UFA. Leo Komarov is a UFA. James Van Riemsdyk is a UFA. Yeah. All of them make between three and five million bucks. I doubt they're going to be able to afford to keep all three. And in the not so distant future, with the Connor McDavid signing, how much are they going to use to keep Austin Matthews? Yeah. How much is Mitch Marner going to want? How much is Willie Nylander going to want? How much is it going to take to keep that uh, big three together? Because we just saw how much money their Oilers are going to shell out to keep Connor McDavid and his number 97 uh, in their primary colors. And and then furthermore, in two years, Jake Gardner is going to be uh, up for a new contract. Connor Brown is an RFA right now. And I really think that in a couple of years, the Leafs could also find themselves in cap hell, just like Edmonton could be in a couple of years. So um, the Leafs are another interesting case to watch uh, in a couple of years' time because this team could look awfully different. Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't really think of it that way, but I think like $6.25 million for for Marlou is a bit much especially for a veteran leadership guy, and, and especially since they have to, the, now the Leafs have to worry about um, all these other guys and signing Marner and Nylander um, and Matthews pretty soon. So I don't know what they're going to do. We'll have to see. Um, but that's, uh, that's uh, Lou Lamorello and... Um, yeah, this is what Lou Brandon did, Shanahan's right? Problem. We don't have to worry about that. It's true. Although I have more confidence that Lou will figure stuff out than Shirelli will. Um, because <laughs> yeah. Lou, Lou is, Lou is more, like, Lou has, like, three cups with a Devils team that didn't really have anyone, and, uh, the, and Chirelli only has the Bruins, although they Even only Even though he won. did sign Kovalchuk to a 10-year contract, that ended miserably. True, true. <laughs> um, Scandella and Pominville, uh, to Buffalo for Tyler Ennis and Marcus Foligno, um, Buffalo needed defense, so they got that in Scandella. Um, Pominville is going back to Buffalo. That's another guy who's going back to his old team. Uh, Tyler yeah. Ennis and Marcus Foligno going back to Minnesota, are going to Minnesota. Um, this is an interesting move. It could be, it could work out for either team. It's like a hockey trade, I feel like. But um, yeah, yeah, I think it's a good hockey trade too. I mean, with Scandella, he doesn't have as much offensive upside yeah. compared to a Matt Dumba or a Jared Spurgeon. But he does a fairly good job of shutting down the other team's best shooters. Yeah. He's also got uh, three years left on his current deal. Um, we all know what Palmaville's capable of. I'm just not so sure if he's got any prime years left in him. Yep. Because he's 34. He's coming off a 47-point season, which I guess is impressive for a guy at his age. Yep. But he only has one 30-goal season and one 60-point season since his uh, primary exit from the Sabres organization. Um, for Minnesota, in my opinion, we all know this, this is all about managing the cap. That's all they're doing. Because Pominville was carrying a modified no-trade, no-move clause, $5 million per year over the next two seasons. Scandell is making upwards of $4 million over the next three years. You have Nita Ryder reporting 
currently set to file for arbitration. Granlin's also in need of a new contract. That sets the stage for a pair of, of potentially pricey re-signings. And every single penny from that Scandella and Palmerville sa- from those Scandella and Palmerville savings are headed right into the pockets of Niederreiter and Granlund. Um, and also for Minnesota, you get two depth pieces to help your team. Because even though Tyler Ennis has only 74 games worth of NHL experience over the past two years, largely because he's been injured, uh, which also means, uh, which also explains why he only has eight goals since his 20 goal campaign in uh, 2014-15. Um, let's not forget, in his rookie season, this guy got 50 points. Yeah. And Marcus Foligno, he's got that physical edge to his game that makes him tougher to play against. That will make the wild intern tougher to play against. And that's how he's going to help Minnesota as well. So I think both teams got what they wanted in this trade. It should also be noted that, um, um, let's see, the Sabres get a fourth round in 2018, while they get a third rounder in 2018. Yeah. So uh, they also exchange picks. But, uh, but yeah, all, all in all, I think it's an even trade. Yeah, I think it's one of those things that I just mentioned. The Buffalo needs defense. Uh, Minnesota needs some centers. So uh, they both get what they want. So, yeah, it works. Um, Tyler Ennis could actually be pretty good for them. I, I kind of like that yeah. for Minnesota for him. Yevgeny Dadanov, uh, who's the hot KHL guy, um, he had 66 points in 56 games in Scott St. Petersburg, which is Kovalchuk's uh, team. Um, he goes to the Panthers for $4 million for three years. Um Let's talk about Dadanov first. I, this could be like a Panarin-type deal or Radulov-type thing where, you know, every year it seems like they have like a KHL phenom, um, phenom comes into the league and just starts lighting up the league. So, well, we uh, have Dadunov. two. We had Shipachov going to Vegas earlier. Oh, yeah, good point. I forgot about him. But, yeah, so uh, they have a chance. Um, if Dadanoff does well, I, I, it could work out for the Panthers. But, yeah, so he's, he's going to Florida. Um, yeah, uh, do you have anything else to say about that before I go to Kovalchuk? Well, I'm, I'm just really scratching my head at what Florida's doing, because they also got Verbata to a one-year deal for yep. $3.75 million. Um, the Dadanov thing, he, he, in 22 playoff games in 2014-15, he got 15 goals. That's very impressive. Um, yep. like I said, 66 points this year. He's 28 uh, 19, years old, by the way. He's not like... 28 years old as well. He's not 30. Um, yeah, 18 playoff games this year, 9 goals, 10 assists, that's 19 points. Yep. Um, he's also got a lot of international success, world junior medals, he's got two, KHL titles, he's got two. He could really help this team. But according to elite prospects, his defensive game needs improvement, he needs to get stronger, and he needs to be more physical. Yep. And in the name of the game in the NHL, it comes down to speed and strength. If you have both, you're tough to get a hold of. Uh, and I think uh, the two-way system it, it is really the bread and butter of most of these teams. You need to be a good, solid two-way player. Yep. You're getting a lot of flash, but you're not sure what you're going to get defensively. And then going back to Verbata, who's 36, he was still able to record 20 goals and 55 points at his age. Yep. On a crappy Coyotes team. But that one terrible season in Vancouver still haunts me. Like, 13 goals, minus 30 yeah. rating in 63 games. I wonder how much more this guy can provide at this level. 
And then you look at the pieces they gave up to Vegas, Riley Smith, Jonathan Marchessault. Mar uh, Riley Smith, you just signed to a five-year deal a season ago. You parted ways with two of the uh, top veterans on your team in UC Okanen and Yarmer Yager. Are you really finding the right guys to replace those two? Yeah. And last year, you look at what they did. They were very busy in the offseason. I love what they did until they started to lose. Yeah. And one of the guys they signed in Jason Demers recently nixed a deal to Vancouver. So, again, I go back to the question of what is this Panthers team made of? What's their identity? Do these guys fit that identity? And is this identity going to lead to real results? Yeah. I'm really scratching my head at what Florida is doing. I hope that what they're doing is right, but I just don't know at this point. Yeah, they're kind of a question mark team for sure. Um, I think it, it was weird because last year I felt like it was a bit of an admiration because guys like Huberto, Barkov, and Buke said we're all injured um, for well, yeah. the most part of we the year. We all assumed they were going to be healthy, right? Yeah, exactly. And that's that kind of – and then Ekblad got injured towards the end of the year. Yeah, so that's that also had an effect on them. So it's like it was re weird because they all had like this weird um, kind of uh, aspect. Like uh, it was already an aberration, and also uh, Gerard Gallant got fired on a on a taxi cab back, you know, from a home a road game. So it's uh, I think it was in Carolina. Yeah, Carolina, and like he had to take a taxi cab back instead of a plane. Um, well, I think he was offered a plane ride, but he took a taxi instead. I, I yeah. think he was offered some. Oh, was he? Okay, that makes a difference. But it's still like. But still, that's pretty cutthroat. Still crazy. And, 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 and then, like, Dale Talon. And then, like, the combination of, like, Talon, like, and uh, Mark Rowe changing positions constantly. Yeah. It's like, they're in a disarray moment at the moment. But at the same time, they still have Barkov and Ekblad and Huberdo, who are, like, really good players. Um, and so is Trocek. Um, Buke said has his moments as well. So, um I don't know if necessarily the I don't really like the Verbata deal. I think you're right on that. Um, Dadanov could work out for them though, so uh, we'll see. Um, I don't think they're particularly done though yet. I would say uh, they also got Owen Tippett as well. Yeah, a top Owen ten Tippett, pick. I sure. think he's going to get his fair Reportedly, shot. Reportedly, he's going to he might play this year if he has a good camp. So that's yeah. Take that for what it's worth. So, dead enough went to Scott St. Petersburg. So did Kovalchuk, who uh, announced this week that he is also going there. Uh, so, this is just my moment to say that you're right, Steve. Uh, Kovalchuk <laughs> is not going back to the Angel. Although it should also be noted, it should also be noted that when he's eligible to return next year, when his KHL contract is up. He can go He's to an unrestricted free agent and can sign wherever he yeah. wants. So That'll the Devils be... do not own him anymore. Yeah. <laughs> he further screwed New Jersey again. Uh, what a <laughs> surprise. Um, but yeah, so I thought I should mention that. We have a lot more on our plate, but uh, you're right on that. Um, I thought I should mention that. Um, all right, this should actually be real rapid fire. Like, we can't spend more than a minute on these things. Uh, okay. Cam... Uh, Camilleri goes to LA for one million for one year. I thought this was notable just because Camilleri just got bought out the day before. Um, but yeah, he's going to LA. I know he's old, um, and I know LA is in a weird mo mode right now at the moment. But it's still, um, you know, he still had a pretty good year. My Camilleri. Let me just pull up his stats. 
Um, yeah, what, decent year, just getting paid m- way more than he should. Yeah, let me look here. Uh, Camilleri had 31 points for 61 games. It's like half a half a point per per game, so it's not bad. But yeah, you're. I feel like this could work out for LA though. He could be like a diamond in the rough type player. Well, I mean, but, you look at the Jackets and how well they did with Sam Gagne. He got yeah. over 50 points. That was yeah. like, I think that's a career high for him too. Yeah. Well, we're going to talk about Gagne in a minute. But yeah, you're right. Um, it could be like a similar type of situation. Uh, Fowler resigned to the Ducks uh, for 6.5 million for eight years. Um, this is a pretty good deal. Uh, Cam Feller is kind of the defenseman for their future. Um, do you know that he was? Uh, he's a dual citizen. He uh, he grew up in. He was born in Canada, but he uh, but is like one of his parents is an American citizen. Um, so which puts him as a dual citizen. It's why he can uh, he plays for U.S. Um, in uh, international events. Proof that Canada's still the best people. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I, I set you up um, for that, didn't I? Now, he's getting paid Eric Carlson money, not putting up Eric Carlson numbers, but he's their best defenseman on the team, so I guess pay whatever you can to keep him there, and uh, yeah. the Ducks did that. Uh, Yakupov, uh, former first overall pick, um, goes to Colorado. Um, $0.87 million for one year. This is literally his last shot. Um, he hasn't made it in Edmonton. He hadn't made it in St. Louis. St. Louis. Um, and if he can't make he's it got in the Colorado, Landis Cog and Duchesne on his yeah. team now. Yeah, and exactly. And if he can't make it in Colorado, then I don't know. There's no hope for him. Um, yeah, it might might be the KHL life for him. We'll we'll yeah, see. We'll but see. Uh, th- this it, it's I don't think it's his last shot, but he's slowly running out of lives. So he I, yeah. I hope he makes this one. I count think his big thing. His big thing was is that he just didn't play good enough defense, um, which has always been his thing. So, um, I don't know. He might have a shot here in Colorado, but in, I don't in forty know. games with the Blues last year, only three goals and nine points. That's um, that that's basically replacing the boy good. left by Grigorenko. But yeah. I think they're expecting a lot more than just three goals and nine yeah. points this year out of him. Um, and then this one that I just wanted to include is uh, Sam Gagne, who we just mentioned before. Uh, $3.15 million in three years to Vancouver. Uh, what's notable here is it's something that I, during my research for one of my articles, I uh, found that Gagne had 50 points with an average time on ice of 13 minutes. I'm sure most of those points were when he was on the power play, and he's a bit of a special power play specialist, but still being like having like having a ton. It should be interesting to that he'll get like a ton of ice time now that he's in Vancouver, um, and it should be interesting to see if he can even get to fifty points next year um, or better even now that he has more ice time. Um, I'll be curious to see that. Now, I apologize. I'm going to go on a bit of a rant. I'll try to make it as short as I can. But this this signing reminds me an awful lot of the Louis Erickson signing that they made last year. Because yeah. you look at his third, fourth, fifth, and sixth years in Dallas. This was a guy talking about Louis Erickson who got 60-plus yeah. points, scored 36 goals in 0809. Uh, granted, his stats to a certain extent were impacted by injuries. But in his first two seasons with Boston, the numbers just weren't there. Then... 
His best season since 2011-2012, he gets 30 goals and 63 points in 82 games. He gets a rich contract with Vancouver. He scores on his own net in the opening game. He goes goalless in his first 13, and he finishes with only 11 goals and 24 points in 65 games. Now, Gagne, to his credit, makes about twice as less than Erickson per season. But and same amount of inconsistencies. I don't know, Sorry, but you were say? I was just, well, first off, I just want to say that uh, Erickson's 31 years old. Gagne is 27 years old, so Gagne still has some time. I don't think he was given a fair shot in Edmonton even even still. I know where you're going, but yeah. He got eight points in a game, though, with Edmonton, though. Yeah, I, but that I was one he, game. he got his chances. He got, that was one game. That wasn't like, I don't know. That's like literally, I don't know. Okay, fine. It should also be mentioned that this is a guy who got eight goals and 60, uh, 16 points in 53 games with the Flyers almost a year ago. And he also played in nine AHL games that season. Yeah. And in that season, he made $4.8 million. Yeah. So it'll be interesting after signing for the league minimum and going off for 50 points with Columbus, how he fares on a Vancouver team that outside of the Sedin twins and Bo Horvat, who did they really have offensively? Yeah. And when I look at some of their other signings, Rock like uh, Del Zotto and Weirkosh, yep. and, and Nielsen, who's a capable backup, it, the more and, and more I think, rough. is a rebuild going to be on the horizon? Because the Sedin twins are on the final year of their deal. I've been saying it for years and years. Yep. When are they going to trade them? They gotta trade him now. They gotta start the rebuild now, and I think that's mostly why they got Sam Gagne. This is a band aid solution, if anything. And beyond those three years, I don't see him being a part of the Canucks organization. I, I really don't. Um, they need to address their defense. Uh, Edler's getting up there in age. Tanev's getting paid over five million a year. Yep. Um, and you can't just rely on guys like Ben Hutton to carry the load. They need a lot more defensive help. And I, I really think this is a sign of a busy year of transactions for the Canucks. I really don't think this is going to be a good year for them. Yeah, I Because if they don't make changes, they're just going to continue to be last in everything. I think, well, first off, they do have some things going for them. You didn't mention Bohar. Uh, Sven Varshi was pretty good for them when he was healthy. They also have That's Brock right. Boser. Who's coming into them? He uh, he played he played well for them. So they, they do also have, have Godolbin and that uh, Jonathan Dahlin. They got Jonathan Dahlin yeah, exactly. Well. I don't know if they'll be available. I know Goldolbin probably should be available, but I don't. I feel like Dahlin is a couple of years away. Um, but yeah. So and they also got Burmistrov, who's another interesting pick there too. I I I know what you're saying. There is a chance that Gagne hasn't been great. Um, and he is a little inconsistent. However, I feel like he'll be given a lot of ice time um, on this team. And if it's like, like if he does work out for him, then they, you know, they got a steal. Um, and I think they have a chance to if they if they do it like that. But um, you're right; there is a chance that this could all blow up in their face as well. So we'll see. Um, now, before we go to the Bruins and Sens, can oh, no, I just wait, mention I have, one I have one more. I have one more thing. I okay. was going to go with the Hockey Hall of Fame. Oh, right. Okay. Yes. Uh, Timu Solani, Paul Correa, Dave Andrichuk, Mark Recchi, and Danielle Goyette, um all made it to the Hall of Fame. I'll talk about Jeremy Jacobs in the Bruins-Sens segment, but um, they all make it to the Hall of Fame. 
Solani and Korea were no-brainers. Andrew Chuck and Mark Recchi I thought would take a little bit longer, but I guess they waited long enough. Um, and uh, I guess the Stanley Cups kind of mean a lot of things. Uh, Danielle Goyette was uh, like one of the best female hockey players, so um, so good on them. Congrats to all those guys. Um, as for Jeremy Jacobs, uh, not so much congrats, but... Um, yeah, <laughs> I'll I'll say congrats to the other five. <laughs> yeah. Now it also seems fitting that um, after playing in Anaheim for so many years together and joining Colorado at the same time, that Korea yeah. and Solani go into the Hall of Fame together. That's, That's really is, nice to fitting. see. Especially um, doesn't Korea like Korea has like a iffy situation with the Ducks, right? Like, yeah, I, I think, think there. I think he's... this kind of repairs kind of the rift there too, because like. With all due respect to Team Solani, Paul Correa was the first real superstar that yeah, the Ducks had. True. So uh, yeah. he really shaped that franchise. I remember when he left to Colorado, they, they didn't like that at all in Anaheim. They they really felt betrayed by yeah. that. And he's been really low-key about, you know, appearing in public like uh, with with the Ducks. Yeah. Um, but I, I think this, this is going to help mend that rift a little bit. And... Like Solani, when when you get seventy six goals in your rookie season, you you have yep. to be good. So um, I I really like what he was able to do, especially in his mid to late thirties. Like in 06, 07, this guy got like forty goals and eighty four over forty goals and eighty points, and he gets a Stanley Cup. Yeah. Uh, like forget four uh, forget fourteen hundred points and over six hundred and eighty goals. Yeah. Like. The fact that he was able to perform at a high level in his later years was what made him so great, not what he did before that. Yeah. Although what he did before that was pretty awesome too. Um, and with Korea, it it's really sad because I think he could have done a lot more than 981 points in 981 games. Yep. And he's one, he's one of those captivating what-if scenarios. Like, what if concussions didn't well, slow down his yeah, career? It was what like uh, Eric Lindros last year. Yeah. Eric Lindros, yeah. he's kind of an Eric Lindros kind of guy. Yeah. And and like that off the floor on the board call by by Gary Thorne, like yeah. that goes down in infamy. That put, in my opinion, the Anaheim Ducks on the map. Yep. Was, was that goal call? Yeah. Um and and also what's interesting about some of the other nominees, Dave Andrichuk. This is a guy that consistently scored thirty to forty goals with the Sabres mm-hmm. in his first ten or so years. And he got 1,338 points, despite never recording a 100-point season ever in his career. Yeah. And um, Recky was another versatile guy, um, really uh, achieved success in Pennsylvania with Pittsburgh and Philly, but he also spent time in Montreal. And he Boston. Was a free, yeah, he was a 40-point scorer in Boston in his yep. final four years there with the Bruins. Yep. So um, he, he was pretty good in, in his own right, too. Yep. And what's also an interesting one is uh, Claire Drake, um, a coach of the University of Alberta's Golden Bears. During his 28 years there, he coached them to 17 Western titles, six Canadian championships, and back in 1967, he became the only coach to win intercollegiate hockey and football titles in the same season. Wow. So really, um, a a really exclusive list. Uh, I guess, in your case, minus Jeremy Jacobs. Yes, which I'll get to. Uh, But, uh, yeah, no, you're right, though. Like, I feel like Timo Solani and Paul Correa are no-brainers. 
Uh, Dave Andrushark is a little bit of a head-scratcher just because um, he wasn't really that great of an offensive defenseman, but um, at least, you know, he has those cups, and that's what I remember him for, so um, I don't know. Maybe it's, it's the, whole, the whole Hall of Fame is kind of a joke anyways, yeah. um, which I'll get into with Jeremy Jacobs. And now, um, now, now, the whole but debate, I, will, I know Alfie was, was available to yeah. be inducted. He's not a first ballot Hall of Famer. Okay? Right. He's going to get in at some point, not a first ballot. Okay? Yeah, I will... I will Want to mention? I do want to mention that I thought Mark Recchi was eventually going to make it in. He's been in the, he was in the league. He started his career in 1988-1989. He finished his career in 2010-2011. Um, so that's like a 20-year career, um, which is crazy. Also, he was a part of the two Pittsburgh Penguins 91-92 squad and 92-93 uh, squad team that won the Stanley Cup. Actually, um, I think he was traded in the ninety one ninety two season, or the night. Uh, I have him I as a three cup before they won the second title. Well, I have him as a three time cup winner here on Hockey Reference, and oh. one of those was the Bruins. So well, I, I know don't... one of them was the Bruins. Yeah, uh, he was. No, he was. He wasn't traded. It doesn't have it here that he was. Tra- Wait, maybe he was traded. Oh yeah, he was traded. But I have, I guess he got the cup though in that in that time. Anyways, my point was is that I do remember his uh, time with Carolina, with Carolina in 0506, That's where the second one came from. Oh, interesting. Okay. Oh yeah, because he only played one year in Carolina. <laughs> that's a, yeah, twenty funny. games yeah. in the regular season. Yeah. Um. So, uh, but anyways, I was going to mention his time in Boston. Uh, he was the main veteran presence in Boston, and uh, even Patrice Bergeron, I think, wrote something that Mark Recchi was a huge-time mentor to uh, to him um, in, when he was here, so um, he's the reason why uh, Bergeron is the way that he is right now, or plays the way that he does in terms of, like, he was also a big-time, like, two-way forward, Recchi was, so uh, Bergeron learned from him in that sense, so um, yeah, uh, good for him, uh, good for Recky, um, and all those other guys, too, so, uh, those are all no-brainers. Um, I think we're ready for Bruins Sens, I think you uh, Can I quickly just mention one other signing that sure. went under the radar here? Sure. Brian Boyle, two-year with New Jersey. Okay. This is a move that only made sense, in my opinion, if they had, a, had the top three pick in this past draft, which they did. Yep. In fact, they got the top pick, Nico Heischer, um... He's going to be in their lineup sooner rather than later. Yep. And you also look at Taylor Hall and Kyle Palmieri, and now they've just added Marcus Johansson. When you go up against teams in your division like Columbus or New York, uh, the Rangers, or Philly or Pittsburgh, you need to be tough to play against those guys. You need someone to push back when one of your star players is being pushed around. And it's even better if that guy is able to go out there and grind out some key goals. In fact, this guy has had five double-digit goal seasons to date in his NHL career. And what's even better than all of that, he has 106 games in the playoffs. Yep. And he knows what it takes to win in the playoffs. Yep. So it may not seem like a big move today, but down the road, I think it could be a turning point for the Devils. Okay, now on to Bruins. Yeah, actually, that's a good point. I mean, when I was talking about Mark Recchi, he was like a big-time veteran presence guy for the Bruins in that team specifically. So, like, guys like Patrick Marlowe, Brian uh, Brian Bolo, even like uh, Milan Lucic and 
um, Edmonton. Like, those are huge-time veteran guys that you need in order to win. So, um, yeah. Um, also, uh, uh, so should we go Bruins sends now? Um, forget who went first last time. If you want, so I can long. go first. It's, okay. it's I have a little bit more than you. I have, I have a feeling. Okay. Then, then I'll go first and yeah. I'll make my rank quick. Sure. So uh, another Guy Boucher regular is coming into the fold, and his team yep. is Nate Thompson, who uh, signed a two-year deal previously coached by Guy during his days with the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, speaking of his days with the Tampa Bay Lightning, Tom Hyatt was also part of that, and he inked a two-year deal to remain with the Ottawa Senators. Mike Condon did the same, only his deal lasts for three years. Taking a look at his terms, I think it's $2.7 million per year that Ottawa signed him to. No, 2.4. 2.4 over three years. Uh, um, or $2.4 million per year over the next three years, I should say. Um, they also signed Chris Drieger to a one-year two-way. He's probably going to play in the uh, AHL. Uh, they also signed Danny Taylor to uh, help compete with him after they lost Matt O'Connor to Nashville. Uh, Max McCormack also signed a two-year deal to remain with the team. That turns into a one-way, though, after the first year is done. Uh, former Boston Bruin Tyler Randall is being bought, uh, brought in for one reason and one reason only, and that's to protect the AHL regulars. Because if Colin White and Thomas Shabbat don't make the big league team, they're probably going to start the season in the AHL if they're too good for their junior hockey teams. And you're going to need someone to protect all that talent. So a guy like Randall makes perfect sense. Um, as far as losses go, I mentioned Matt O'Connor to Nashville. I mentioned Tommy Wingles to Carter. And they have also said that Chris Kelly can return to the team on a free agent tryout. As far as the trading block goes, Vanuf is off of the trade block. He's not going anywhere. The Hamburglar, meanwhile, has found himself on it. No surprise there. Uh, the big news is that Alfie has left the team again. This time, just taking a break from the hockey hustle and bustle, he's going to remain in Ottawa. He will take his time to consider what he wants to do for the future. Since GM Pierre Dorian says the door, quote, will always be open for Daniel, so perhaps this will be another short-term goodbye. Brett, the floor is yours. Okay. So, uh, the uh, Bruins didn't make too much news uh, compared to the last two years, but uh, they did make some news. Uh, they Most notably, they got Paul Postma, um, who's a 28-year-old. He's a very much a defensive defenseman. I think it, it says here that he shoots right, but I guess he may shoot be a left-handed guy. Um, I guess not, but... Anyway, so he'll be like a good, um, he'll be a good depth defenseman. I think that was the big concern for the Bruins that they learned through the playoffs was that, um, let me look here. Oh yeah, I guess he's a right-handed defenseman. Um, but, uh, you know. That kind of replaces the void, uh, left by Colin Miller. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but he's, you know, this Paul Palisma is more of a defensive shutdown guy. He's not really a, um. He's not. He doesn't have much as much of an offensive upside as um, Colin Miller did. But um, even still, like it, it's a it's a good move. It's uh, for uh, one year, less than a million dollars. It's one of those things that I think he was out to replace John Michael Lyles, if anything. Um, so it, yeah. it could work out for them. Um, I know. Uh, so 
I mean, I think this is more as a stopgap in case McAvoy isn't ready. Um, so yeah. we'll see. Um, <clears throat> the um, and then also, lastly, uh, we also the Bruins also picked up Kenny Augustino, who is uh, on the Blues AHL team. Yeah, he I love had, that move as well. Yeah, that was a it was a really good move. Um, he may continue to be in the Providence on the Providence Bruins um, at the start of the year, but I really like this move because a he got the AHL Player of the Year, which is no small feat. Um, he had. Uh, hold on, let me pull up his stats quickly. Um, 83 points, I think? Yeah, 83 points in 65 games in the AHL. Um, and then he was called up to St. Louis. He had three points in seven games. Um, so there's that. Um, this is a good move. Uh, he's a left winger. Uh, the, I know the Bruins are looking for a left winger, so uh, this could be uh, another type of player that could uh, pull up with uh, on the top six, if he's good enough, um, we shall see. Um, there's a lot of like good young guys on the team that should make the roster right away. JFK being one of them. McAvoy, as I just mentioned, um, maybe Augustino will come up to Anders Bjork, um, who's also a left winger, could be a center as well. Um, so that should be interesting to see. Um, yeah, uh, I'll, I'll be curious to see what happens there, um, but, uh, we'll see. Uh, also, uh, Tim Schaller got re-signed, uh, for less than a million dollars per year, um, that's another interesting move, but, um, yeah, it's a good depth move, he was a good depth guy for us last year. Um, and then lastly, the people who are leaving us. Uh, I'm uh, proud to announce that uh, Jimmy Hayes is off the Bruins team. Uh, he had two goals last year. Um, if you don't know, he was a product of the uh, Riley Smith and Mark Savard trade to uh, Florida. Um, and we got Jimmy Hayes, and I think I think that was it. Um, it was a good move in terms of getting rid of Savard's contract, but, um, and Riley Smith hasn't really been as great as he was except for that first year, um, but Jimmy Hayes hasn't worked out, um, so we bought him out, um, which is amazing. Um, that means more money for you guys to spend on Pasternak. And Pasternak and Spooner, probably, yes, that's true. Um, and, uh, yeah, we'll see. Um, I imagine Spooner will get signed. I don't think he's going to get traded. Um, and also, speaking, uh, so because Riley Smith was traded uh, and got and we got back Jimmy Hayes, um, and we also dropped Joe Morrow, um, that means that we don't have any return from the Tyler Sagan trade um, anymore. Uh, Joe Morrow, so if you don't remember, Tyler Sagan and uh, Rich Peverley go to Dallas for Louis Erickson, who we've mentioned, who we mentioned before, um, Riley Smith, uh, uh, I'm blanking on, uh, Joe Morrow, and um, who's the other guy blanking on? He, uh, he had a good playoff game 
for us once. Um, Matt Frazier. Uh, so uh, Matt Matt Frazier went to uh, Edmonton. He got dropped and went to Edmonton. Um, we didn't get anything for him. Uh, Riley Smith, we traded him to uh, Florida. We got back Jimmy Hayes. Um, Joe Morrow, we just dropped. Of course, he goes to Montreal. Uh-huh. Um, and lastly, we uh, Louis Erickson left us uh, last year um, and went to Vancouver. Um, so, uh, yeah, so we don't have anyone. This is forever. So this is one of the reasons why I don't like uh, Shirelli. It was like... It wasn't even, like, a smart move at the time. I don't know what he was going for. Louis Erickson didn't play terribly. Riley Smith had a good first uh, year here in, uh, in Boston, but, it, you know, it ultimately just didn't work out. You, you traded your top, like, Tyler Sagan's, like, a top 15 player right now in the league, and we didn't get anything to show for it. It's not that really that we traded Tyler Sagan, it's just that we didn't get anything close to return. Um, so I think, I, I think you're right, the return could have been better, but yeah. I also think that Tyler Sagan, like, I don't think he could have thrived as well yeah, you see as that, though. in Dallas and Boston, just, just simply but, because of the type of player he is and the type of image that they're going for. Yeah, I guess so, but, like, at the same time, it's like, especially since we just got rid of Claude Julian too. Like I could have made that excuse. Like yeah, that's he didn't true. go. He didn't mesh well with Claude Julian, and like you know, then we would have had to trade Krejci or Bergeron. But at the same time, what's like he played really well on the right wing with Bergeron and Marchand. What? Why couldn't we have just kept him? It's just it's ridiculous. Now I'm getting heated. <laughs> And that's not even before my big. Too, my, you know, that's even before like, my bigger rant. But uh, it's like uh, I don't know. It's just uh, it's frustrating. But I mean, I know it's like it's one of those things. It's like a big what if there. But like, think about it. Like the Bruins had Blake Wheeler, uh, um, Tyler Sagan, Dougie Hamilton, and Joe Thornton. All when they were and Phil Kessel, all when they were really young and starting out, and we, yeah. you know, and we could have had them. But uh, I mean, Joe Thornton, I guess, it was okay in retrospect because then we could get, um, you know, we could afford Chara and Savard, but which I'll get into in Jer- with Jeremy Jacobs. But it's still like, I don't know, it's a, it's a weird thing. Um, Still, in the end, you guys have two garas, which you ripped off of Toronto, so you have that going for True, true, we do have that. And we also kind of ripped Toronto off again with the Phil Kessel tree. But yeah, you're <laughs> right. Um, yeah, you're right. Um, I, I know I'm complaining, and I have a cup, you guys don't, so I, I'll, I'm spoiled. I, I get it. <laughs> it's just It's just frustrating. Uh, it's just that you could have had it so much better. Exactly. I think so it's, 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 it's not that we had a cup. It's just that we could have had we more. Could have, you could have had more than just one. Exactly. And it's like, I I blame Matt Matt Cook for that because he ruined Mark Savard's career, which was a big part of our yeah. team. Um, and, and it's, it's it, we yeah. kind of feel the same thing as well because like we traded Hosa for Heatley, yeah. who... Right. Other than a couple of years did nothing. Yeah, and, and you also have the tri- you also have the and also, and also choosing Reddit over Chara. Yeah, was I was about mistake. to say yeah. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, you're. 
I mean, I, I'm in no place to complain. I'm happy with the cup. But at the same time, I'm like, oh, we could have had so much more. Um, so Yeah, we whatever. also could have drafted, like, Kopitar and yeah. Stahl. Instead, we chose Brian Lee. And I, and I think the Bruins are at a good place right now, too, where we have McAvoy and Pasternak, who are, like, destined to be really good players. So it's, like, losing Dougie Hamilton and Sagan stinks for sure, but we now have their replacements in a way. So there's yeah. that. Um Okay, so also, before I get into the Jeremy Jacobs rant, Dom Moore goes to Toronto, which is another, like, veteran presence move. Um, and you just mentioned Tyler Randall goes to Ottawa. Um, so he was he was always going to... I feel like he, he could have gotten some more minutes if... Uh, or, like, he was decent. He is known as an enforcer, but um, he could be on your pro roster soon, but, like, in a fourth-line role, he'll be a good fourth-line guy. Um, but uh, it, w- it won't be that missed, I guess, but um, we'll see. I guess Noel, Achari, uh, Riley Nash, and maybe, I don't know, Frank Frank Vachana will be there, um, will be the fourth-line players, um, I'd have to guess, if I had to guess. Maybe JFK, but we'll see. Um now we go on to Jeremy Jacobs. So, he just got announced as the uh, in the Hockey Hall of Fame um, as a Builder Award. And if you don't know much about Jeremy Jacobs, uh, here's the deal: he's the owner. He's been the owner for the Bruins for the past forty years. Um, he uh, for years before the cap, he was famous for not spending anything on the team. Literally nothing. Focusing more on food, concessions, and seat prices than the actual (laughs) team. Um, (laughs) He was also so much so that he um, he was literally um, he was the biggest owner to be against the cap in the first lockout. He was the main defendant for the owners in the second lockout. He just hates the salary cap. To a T, I think he even said something um, to the, um, he's like also just a big reason why uh, the, uh, there's even like a whole lockout, there's been so many lockouts. It's like Bettman, I guess, can be blamed for that, but Jeremy Jacobs is like the big guy in this. And so why why would he go against the salary cap if he's like not even willing to spend anything? Like I don't get yeah, it. Yeah, it's because it's because he's against the salary cap because the, of that whole like ceiling and stuff. So even to the point where there was like a rumor, I don't know if this is true or not, but when um like that was the main re- that was one of the big things why they even traded Jumbo to begin with was because he was worried that all these superstar players are going to want so much more money than they're asking and, like, front-loading contracts, which, by the way, they did. Um, well, breaking news, Connor McDavid just did that. Yeah, yeah. But, like, but like I'm talking, like, Kovalchuk levels of, like... Well, he was right yeah. on Kovalchuk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, like, so that he didn't even want to deal with Joe Thornton, what Joe Thornton was going to ask, that he just, he wanted Joe Thornton out of there. Plus, 
I guess he didn't perform well in the playoffs, I guess. But it was just it was just a weird thing. And then even, uh, I think there was this was definitely true, uh, when Chiarelli came in, uh, he had to fight Jeremy Jacobs to uh, even get guys like Chara and Savard uh, to begin with. So it's one of those things that he's just, he's notoriously known as a cheap owner. Um, he puts Eugene Melnick to shame, really. Um, but uh, it's it's one of those things. So, like, and I think he even once said that he, uh, like, when asked about um, what the Olympics not being there in, in North Korea, he said something to the effect of, or South Korea, I mean, um, he said something to the effect of, like, uh, I'm, I feel sad for the four people who watch Olympic hockey or something like that. Like he doesn't, like he, he, like he literally, like, it's just, it's just a ridiculous move. And just the fact that like hockey, the hockey hall of fame is even celebrating this fact that he's like so against the PA, so against the players. It's like, uh, it's just ridiculous that he's even nominated or even, you know, inducted. It's just, a, it's just it's an embarrassment, really, to the Hall of Fame. But, um, whatever. It's also, uh, I would like to point out, for all those old-school Bruins fans, if you think back to uh, the 90s Bruins, and you think back to Ray Bork and Cam Neely, yeah, sure, Cam Neely had the, like, broken knee um, f- for a bit, but um, Ray Bork was on the Bruins team for a long time, didn't really have anyone else. And a large part of that reason was because Jeremy Jacobs wouldn't allow his GM to spend that much more money on any of his players. Um, so um, so that's the main reason why Bork didn't even have a shot in as a Bruins player. Um, you want to know the saddest fact about Ray Bork's time in Boston? I think you what? may have heard this. But okay. when, when Ray Bork won... Uh, the uh, the cup in Colorado, I think it was in like 2001 or something like that. Yeah, 2001, yep. The uh, Boston Bruins fans had a parade for him in Boston uh, because we were so afraid, we didn't think we would win a cup again. <laughs> and we, uh, we wanted to celebrate Ray Bork. So we were celebrating Ray Bork, someone who won a cup for another team, and we had it. We had a parade for him here. In Boston. Yeah, I, I remember hearing about that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, so it's. I mean, it's 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 at the point where it's whatever. I'm sure eventually Gary Bettman will be in the Hall of Fame, and Hall of Fame is kind of stupid, anyways, because it really should just be legends. But um, whatever, I'm, I'm kind of over it. But uh, it was worth that rant. So thanks for that. If, if, if there was, if Barry Bonds is going to get into the Baseball Hall of Fame someday, then yeah. I guess Jeremy Jacobs gets in the Hockey Hall of Fame. You know? Yeah, it's just it's just ridiculous because he's like he's like the anti-businessman for. I don't know. Yeah. It's like he's like not growing the game. He's like what's the opposite of growing? He's shrinking. Diminishing. The game. Yeah, diminishing the game. It's just it's ridiculous. Um, social media, Laysim podcast. Uh, Facebook, I need a breather here, <laughs> Lace Them Up uh, is our Facebook, uh, we're also on SoundCloud at Lace Them Up, um, and we're also on Fan Tracks, 
I hope you're you've listened to this all. I know it's it's like over two hours here, but if um, you have, God bless you. Yeah, hopefully you have, but um, hopefully it was worth it just for that rant at the end. But um, yeah, I think that's it. I'm Brett Duboff. And Steve Ellsworth will talk again, and maybe Duchesne will be traded in episode 85 of the Lace Up Podcast.